Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today we talk to former principal hospitality consultant turned nature portal guide to the Lemurian crystal city of Telos, which he says is beneath the Mount Shasta portal. So with that, Mr. Lowell Johnson, welcome to Merkava Chakra. I have never been introduced like that yet. <laughs> and at first, as I was listening to this, um, I'm not thinking of this, the YouTube version, the video version. All of a sudden, your voice just made me, it was resonant of your radio. And so now I'm going to listen to the rest of this radio broadcast. And so now I have a greater appreciation for audio podcasts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, the Macabre Chakras podcast, what you the 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 viewership that you see on the YouTube channel, that's one of five or so other video sharing platforms and then 70 different audio um podcast directories and most of the listeners are in Russia, India and um in Asia. And in those areas, it streaming internet and internet is very expensive. They don't have high fast bandwidth yet. And so to listen to these podcasts, it's cheaper and easier to listen to the audio version. And yeah. so so wow. um just something to mo- most people who are listening, they didn't know. And the other thing is some of these countries have a lot of censorship with um, with the Internet. And so they can censor the video streaming platforms and some of the major ones. But the smaller podcast directories completely slide by. So, <laughs> Well, let's so, see what they do with this content, shall we? <laughs> well, Asia loves Lemuria. We completely have it all over our folklore. So before we dig into your work about the beautiful city of Talos and your account of it. Can you tell us your story for how you even got into this work? Because you recently were in hospitality. Yeah, 40 years. I ran hotels and uh, casinos. I was a non-gaming expert. That was my thing. I like to flip hotels. I like to make them better than I found them. And I had a knack for it. Now, I had really no frame of reference and my spiritual journey had not kicked in in such a way that I saw myself as a service to others being. And that's how I chose to play it out. I see things from a different perspective now. Honestly, it wasn't that I didn't have a curiosity in something bigger than myself. And I made my way through church the way that you're nurtured through it, had my experiences with it in a couple of different scenarios. So I had a frame of references. Um, 
And in the end, as much effort as I put into it, and I assure you, I've read every line of the Bible. I'm a technology guy. And when we got to databasing there, I was part of a a program that uh, did one of those 365-year programs for your Bible. Yeah, we did the program in the back. So I went through it every day, saw the line I was supposed to see. At the end of 365 days, I have read every word of the Bible. Uh, Well, that was wonderful. I could say I read it all. Did I understand any of it? Mm, No, because when you read the line at a time, it's what context. Mm. Um, So I had that training. In the end, it didn't really satisfy the questions I had. If you're telling me that there's a God inside of me and somehow my intuition that I really don't understand how to pay attention to yet either is telling me the same thing. So without really understanding, I'm searching for this. I'm searching for it. Mm -hmm. I chase jobs and titles and responsibilities and families and like everybody else. And really the, the point at which the universe got my attention I had a TIA. It's a mini stroke. Mm-hmm. So late 2015, you know, first weekend in December, I had a procedure to correct that. My uh, surgeon had informed me that there was going to be about a 30-day period of recovery. Mm-hmm. And of the things that he suggested for therapy was meditation. Well, actually, I thought, what a wonderful time to try it. Wasn't it? I hadn't thought about it before. But I just couldn't find that whatever, however you say it, you can quiet your mind. I couldn't find that space. Well, as I did more research on it, tried every app I could find, every internet reference to it, the same kind of word kept popping up, you know, mantra, mantra, mantra. Didn't know where you could get one, where you could buy one. I didn't know anything about that. And when the end of January came around, so it hadn't been that long since I really started to kick in and do my due diligence. Uh, I'd watched The Secret for the third time. Had seen it twice before. And in it, there are references to transcendental meditation that you know, I must have heard but didn't pay attention to then. Well, I decided to do some research. Now, there's not a trainer on every corner because they're all trained consistently in the same way that the Maharishi originally was trained. Quite effective and very simple. And if it is what it says it is, you know, I'd like to try it. So when I started to research where you could find trainers, they're all over the world. But (laughs) who knew that there would be one that's like a mile away from where I live? Mm -hmm. So is there some things that are lining up here? Yeah, probably. Within two or three days of just getting to those spaces. And he was going to take training and some time to get there regularly. Wow, changes in your physicality changed right away. Um, Day three, I had noticed that there was a sensation I used to carry here. And I always thought it was indigestion that came and went. After Mm. the third day of meditation, it went away. And it took me a few more days to notice that it was gone. When I realized that stress I've been carrying around and it flares up and it goes away when you get uh, triggered. Mm -hmm. Well, you can find a meditative state where none of that touches you. And so after a week of this practice and it kind of becomes a 20 minute regimen, I wish I had the time to do it twice a day because you do benefit in the middle Mm -hmm. of the day when you recharge your batteries, if you're really going at it. 
But I start my day out that way every day. And the day is set for you. Holy cow. I can regularly now find that stage where you're at, you know, the field of probabilities. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there. That's what everybody wants to accomplish. It wasn't easy because during that process, you've got to find a way to turn out all the other white noise. And that's not easy given this environment around us. But once I had that mastered, then I was on to the next level. Because once I can quiet myself, now the universe is going to show me what it's going to show me. Right, right. Well, you know, l- let me ask you about, because um, you mentioned your church background and then, you know, your nine to five, climb the corporate ladder background. And obviously we have to make an income in order to provide and, and all that. So n- nothing against that. But I, one of the things that I think of is, why is there a stigma against work-life balance between a metaphysical spiritual interest and a professional work, whereas there is no stigma for someone um, who has an active church life and a professional life? So why the kind of, it seems like there's a contradiction when you go into <laughs> metaphysics as compared to being open about your church life activity and your work. Here's my response. Uh, I'd seen this word and it really applies. We severed ourselves from that part. You know, there's mm-hmm. three parts of us. There's mind, body, spirit. We ignore spirit. You know, we let our egos drive now. And so we ignore that intuition and have for a long time. But mm-hmm. in there is where all of our magic lies. And if we just pay attention to that, man, the universe opens up in ways when you put an intent out there, it's their responsibility in their mind to come back and blow you away with the response. They mm-hmm. want to respond with what you put out there in abundance. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe if more of more professionals also um, included and was open about the metaphysical interests like you and I and others on the Macabre Chakras podcast because many of them own companies many of them write books etc etc they do many different things as well Uh, maybe if we just stop thinking there's a stigma then that there won't be a stigma they just make it as a common thing oh you're really active in your church oh you're really active in in Buddhism oh you're really active in your metaphysical pursuits it's just a side hobby that people are really interested in. But the stigma, I noticed, is going away, but there still is a little bit of a stigma. So if people were more open and instead of being a closet metaphysical person, it would be much yeah. more easily accepted. Um, okay, so your hospitality and tourism background comes in handy for future nature portals and travels into Talos and other 5D Lemurian or Atlantean inner cities. So um, I wanted to ask you this. I have clients that come in for quantum hypnosis and for 5D healing, energy healing and guidance from source and their spirit guides to develop energy healing retreats, nature portal tours, and a variety of metaphysical ecotourism. So as this industry evolves, what insights can you offer uh, these early young entrepreneurs trying to bring in, to bring metaphysical ecotourism to this to the stage? What guidance you do you have, have for them? To offer somebody authenticity. You can't send them out with a guide who's learned it in a book 
That's not what any of us are looking for. Mm -hmm. I have been now in this community for a few years and around other people that have had extraordinary experiences, some that were, you know, um, abductees 20 years ago and have been talking about their experiences ever since. And as interesting as that is, I want to get next to the people that are having these experiences right now. Those are the ones I want to hear. I don't want to hear someone else telling their story. I want to hear that guy because something's going on that I feel and I need a freaking touchstone. So mm -hmm. who, who, it, it was, my case was no different. You mm -hmm. know, I went from the life you described already to this how because it just grabs you and you have no choice but to just follow your intuition and when you do <laughs> you get to straddle dimensions mm. you put it put it simply that's what happens yeah yeah so um let's look at some of the interdimensional ufo images that you took of before you were into tables so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna share my screen is what is it that we're looking at here? Because there's a picture of a man, it looks like you, and then there's a bunch yeah. of speckles of rainbow lights behind you. What is that? Yeah, there's a setup to you understanding what this picture represents. Okay. Earlier this day, I had met, and I'm abbreviating the story quite a bit because we'll be here all evening telling it all. Mm -hmm. um, I met a hybrid. And for those of you that really know what a hybrid is, then you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you that don't, and then you know what you need to educate yourself on. But these entities are real. Um, so like a was, hybrid human and alien or a, hy a hybrid what? But I don't I call it alien. Just there's, that's a label that just it, it sends a vibration that's not accurate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Half human and half light person is really mm -hmm. the better way to take a look at this. And when you understand what's unfolding with me and who I'm connected with, now you'll understand the link between this hybrid person and them and us. Okay. Um, so I had met her for the first time that day. I didn't know who she was before then. She had heard about me and she had uh, a connection to the people I was visiting because they had had history healing for years. Mm -hmm. And um, as the afternoon went on, she got up um, and was over by an eight foot plant. And I didn't know what she was doing. She was taking some pictures. Mm -hmm. And after she had taken a few, she said, Hey, Lowell, come on over here. And so she asked me to stand behind it, put your arms around it. She asked me to chant some eliomes, and I didn't know what they were. Mm -hmm. So I did until I felt silly. And then I stopped and I turned around and that was it. Well, she was done doing whatever she was doing. Immediately mm -hmm. after that took place, we went inside the house to which she was going to show me the pictures that she took. These dimensional pictures are me and light beings. Okay. Okay. So um, do you know how, so it, this, this tour guide or this, this person that took, took these pictures with you and went on this excursion with you, um, she's a hybrid of a light being and a human. And yes. um so she spent her life helping clear negative energies all over the planet. Okay. And, still and who does that to this day? Okay. And who is the light? Be is it a physical person? Who can you describe this light being that is her? Was it half parent? Um, it, Did she tell you that? I know exactly the story behind it. 
And um, it has more to do with uh, what our government knew way back in the late 40s and early 50s, what exotic materials they had access to, what technologies they had that none of us knew about back then. But scientists had somehow gotten their hands on um, alien DNA. Okay. Uh, in whatever form they got it, I can't speak to that, but here's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they were certainly aware of these beings that they were seeing and coming in contact with had some you know, abilities that they did not. And they wanted to understand what they were and how perhaps for military purposes, of course, how to leverage that. So however they had extracted or got their hands on this DNA, mm-hmm. um, they had looked for soldiers back then that wanted to volunteer for a program. Her father mm-hmm. was one of those. Her mother knew nothing about it until Kumu got to be about the age of five. And then she was demonstrating his abilities that, hey, not everybody can do that. And they just knowingly, she had connections to things beyond this realm. Mm-hmm. So she was put into a program with many other kids that came from you know elsewhere, similar circumstances. And so, you know, they're about to be studied for a while. Now, she does not work for the government, although she was observed for a long time. She's mm-hmm. quite independent. And that's one of the reasons why she doesn't want the spotlight. She's not interested in it. She knows right. what she's here to do. And you know, when we got through the things that we needed to, so I understood who she was and what, what my role was. She looked at me kind of at the end and she said, I'm glad there's someone else to help do the work. Nice, nice. Okay, so um, your tour guide in this is a hybrid light being, hybrid human and light being. And the light yeah, being has been- family is Hawaiian. They have had a, a, a plantation there for 20, I don't know, how many generations? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Okay. And so it's through some kind of DNA um, manipulation that she got the, the, the DNA from, from the light being. Okay. She so, was born into that. Yes. Okay. So let's go to the next picture. So the next picture we see is, what are we, so what are we looking at? Yeah, that was actually, there, there was a series of three or four pictures she had taken before I stood behind. This mm-hmm. is one of those. So you can clearly see the light being in the plant. Mm-hmm. There's a few more that just show some different perspectives of those. I don't know how many of them you've gotten. I, I don't know that I sent them all. But okay. it was, these came up first. And then uh, when it got to the picture of me, when you look really closely at it, there was contact that was taking place. You could see this being going in my like my third eye and coming out and going down like the back of my chakras. Okay, so, so I, you could feel that sensation. Okay, so this picture, um, and you guys, if you want to see the pictures, go to the video description. Uh, and, and watch the video interview but this picture it um it's a plant and it has a bunch of it's almost looking like raining rays of of uh, rainbows but in this there's a cluster of light right here in the center and then i'm not sure what this is but it kind of looks like a head <laughs> and there's eyes yes and, there and mouth and there's like an ear and it looks like a cone head 
<laughs> you just need to get used to, you know, who gets to study this phenomenon? This is, is the other reason why people need to be able to see it. So when I say light beings, here is what it is. Right, right. So um, it may be some, maybe I'm seeing something or maybe I'm interpreting, but this really does look like a cone head with ears and eyes and nose and cheek and mouth and neck here and a collar. And okay. Take into account our third dimensional beings. Want to put it in terms that we understand. Right. Um, And these guys can take whatever form they wish. These are six dimensional light beings. So there, you know, the, the next dimension, you know, fifth dimension, we're done with physical bodies, although we won't be carbon based in the next round here, we're crystalline. But after that, we no longer keep form. That's our form. And we can slip in and out of that anytime we wish. Interesting. Okay. So let's go. So let's go now to be in the frequency to even capture some of these pictures says a lot about the person. Because not yes. everybody is able to capture uh, unique images that are that interdimensional. That's a very important point that you make right there because she's holding the same kind of iPhone that all the rest of us use. And yet, look what she captures dimensionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here is a picture of you. And this, is, this is over at Mount Shasta before you go into. No, no, no. Your... This is at the same compound. Oh, this is it? Was, okay. Um, the next day so the story goes on she leaves after the pictures on friday and we all look at ourselves and go what was that about she called the next day in the morning and said she'd be returning she'll be there a little afternoon and oh other things happened on saturday so this is actually the end of the day during the course of the afternoon she's going to show us um some artifacts she brought along that were okay. tens of thousands of years old before we were going to be invited to go down to an Andara spiral on the same property where she's going to capture other images of light interactions. Okay. So this image is you're, you're sitting on a bench with another person and it looks like a shower of uh, rainbows come down from the yes. top, a kind of like a little, yes. uh, but it's kind of, fuzzy and then there's this swoop here okay Mm -hmm. now it looks like you're holding a cobra in your hand (laughs) you know you were the first person that got that on the nose because when i first saw this i had thought i was holding something and there's another shot where i'm kind of standing more or sitting or and i thought it was like a baby dinosaur until someone whispered it's a serpent okay or it could be a serpent or if you look closely, it depends. If you look closely, it could also be an owl. Well, it is a serpent. And it is a serpent? I know, okay. I, I know who it is and I know why. Okay. Did you hold a serpent when you were talking to him? Honey, I wasn't holding anything when these pictures ah, were being taken. Okay. It is. That's, <laughs> That's it just is. It. Right into his hand. Okay. Yes. That is Shiva swooping in to protect me for whatever is coming next. Mm. And why do you need protection for what's coming next? Because I'm in the next course of a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to have connections with light beings to the degree that she has. Okay. Physical contact that will take place in Shasta about two weeks after this. 
Okay. Unbeknownst to me about any of this, because then Bond, after this day she left, we still didn't know what this was about. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, okay. Well, you, you're holding a snake. Looks, looks, I'm not a very fond of snakes, but you know the what? thing it was here, a it was a psychic I'm image. Help you. For a long time, I was very ignorant about them too, until I really learned who the Nagas were, and you know they came from mm-hmm. Sarpaloka. When humanity was young, these serpents were wise beyond any measure. They came to assist us, mm-hmm. and we're here up until and including Atlantis when they just saw the handwriting on the wall and they went back home. The thing mm-hmm. is, they're willing to share that kind of wisdom back with us. We have to stop getting freaked out about the things that you know fear has incited into us when we understand what kind of wisdom they carry. All right, right. Okay, so you're holding a psychic snake that is captured in picture, but you weren't in, in real life. And that <laughs> looks like a snake. There okay. you go. <laughs> All right, next picture. Well, that's really good. See, and here is an interesting one. Um, some people could say this one looks like just overexposure. Um, yeah. It's a view of somebody else, and then it a bunch of light kind of overexposes into the picture. So I'm, I'm yep. not, is there anything special about this one? I'm not seeing anything unique. You'd have to see the other ones with this one so that okay. you saw the other apparitions that were also collected at the same time. Uh-huh. I just sent this because it's my favorite because it kind of like a bell design. When you it see is. the other ones, you'll see more of the things that you picked out in those light beings before. Oh, yeah. Well, that one's not the same. There were spots of it at first when it came in. Well, I need to back up the truck here because let me set the stage. When we were asked to stand in the middle of it, there's a white angel about four feet high in the middle of Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And when Mickey and I got behind it, Mickey said, can you feel it vibrating? Well, when I put my hand on top of the angel, oh yeah, there's some kind of energetic vibration taking place. Then I think what I see is the sun, you know, coming out and really like in my eye, but the Mm -hmm. sun's over in that direction not coming from over there Mm. mickey's girlfriend was sitting on a bench on the end of the spiral and i couldn't see through this but around the edge of it i could see where she was sitting so this light mass had form Mm -hmm. i couldn't see through it it was so but but this is not sunlight oh okay just curiosity these uh it looks like amethyst like it looks like green glass rocks. Those are, are those... all Andaras. That's an Andara spiral. It's very rare and energetic and like crazy. Where did they get these large green crystal looking like rocks? Do you know uh, much about the history behind Andara crystals and where they were found? And if I say the la- the name Lady Nelly, does that ring a bell? No. Can you give the audience who don't who don't know a brief um, explanation of this? Is this normal yeah. in Montsashta? Uh, no, no, no. These are found in you know, lands that no one will be, tell you where they exactly are because mm-hmm. they've been protected for a long time. There's a story about a woman, uh, half Indian, half white. Her father had acquired 1,200 acres of Sierra Mountain property in the high desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a wonderful place because high desert gets cold in the winter, hot in the summer. Um, but her father inherited this. And when he passed on, it was hers. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Nellie was very sick when she was five, very sick, Would, wasn't expected to uh, survive. And mm-hmm. when the tribal medicine man came along um, and he saw who she was, he was not only going to heal her, he was going to teach her how to heal herself because there was mm-hmm. something inside her that she had that quality about her. So she grew up to be a healer. Mm-hmm. Somewhere Oops. in history, <clears throat> there was a dimensional overlap that created a hyperfield and deposited um, what we would know if you know what Ethereum is and that kind of powder. And when it crystallizes, it turns into Andara crystal. There's mm. a whole deposit of that stuff on her property. She found it by accident in either at 67 or 69. She and her kids had gone back up to the property at the end of winter. They were mm-hmm. getting ready to open up the property. The kids were throwing snowballs and she got hurt by one of the ones. Well, when she reached down to pick it up, it was wrapped around a seafoam mandara. And as mm. soon as she touched it, wow, she could feel some charging. There's energy in this thing. Mm-hmm. That was the first. So something had happened that opened up an area where they discovered these. And when they found a few, when they finally dug them all out, she had two and a half tons of this material, all different colors, all different charges. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, this stuff is made from prima matra. If you understand what I'm saying, it's creation material. It mm. was tucked there for a purpose. God knows how long ago. And near here is where it was going to be discovered. She knew it was her mission to have these grid the earth because these are crystals that aren't like quartz and, you know, aquamarine and they, they're, I'm taking nothing away from those other crystals. They work wonderfully. You imbue your intent into them. They amplify it works. This holds consciousness. So what you're passing and their connectivity to one another, oh my God, you see, you understand the power these things have. Well, so this, um, when she, somehow pass cross paths with Mickey and mm-hmm. Mickey ha- understood how to distribute things. The marriage between the two over a 25 year period, these things have found their way into Buddhist you know, temples and mm-hmm. they're everywhere. People understand what the power of these are and they're remarkable. I carry one in my pocket that has healing qualities. And, you know, as much as I doubted that when I got it, it has done it twice in front of me. I've seen it work. And Dari crystals. And Dara. D A R A. Yes. Right. So for those crystal lovers is going, ooh, we're gonna get a new a new one here. Um, that's what we're looking at. And it and it and they or organize it into a spiral on the ground. And these are big, these are the size of your shoe. Like super a- energetic. I'll tell you, uh, I've seen people, I like to talk about the property. And so it's either a wonderful playland. For people that are really energetically connected, or it's a freaking minefield for the uninitiated. Because <laughs> I've seen somebody step out of their car and pass out. They were not oh. ready for this energy surge. Mm. All yes. right. Well, that's a good preface. And uh, <laughs> we will get into that later, too, because I wanted to talk about the, the, the Starbucks Mystery School to help people get to the high frequency so they can have good experiences with these types of excursions and um, mm-hmm. explorations. So um, let's look at the next picture that you sent me. So 
This picture, okay. it looks like you're laying underneath a a statue sculpture, and then there's all these speckle rainbows, like flares shooting all over the place. What yes. is um, what you're seeing is um, two weeks after the photographs we just looked at. Mm-hmm. Remember when she left Mickey's that Saturday and we didn't know what this was about? Well, <clears throat> we knew that our trips were going to overlap. She was going to be in Mount Shasta the week after that next week. And mm-hmm. I was going to be there too. We had agreed because hell, I didn't get to know her very much in the two days that she was there. Heck, I, I really wanted to understand who she was, but more importantly, she's got something for me. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Mm-hmm. And so we agreed during the time that we're going to be there in the time that overlaps that we would find time to get together. Mm-hmm. That didn't really happen until Friday of that week. And she was scheduled to leave the next morning. So here finally mid afternoon found a spot at a campsite and she pulled out her chair. I pulled out mine. And for the next 45 minutes, she began to tell me the story about her. So the things that I kind of revealed about her, although it's not my mm-hmm. story to tell, um, you now you know enough about her to appreciate who hybrids are and how they influenced this and mm-hmm. me. Um, now, I had questions of my own. Right? There were things that led up to this, uh, things that were whispering in my ear about Toth that I went, yeah, that's a pretty interesting concept. Mm-hmm. never thinking that that was my thoughts were going to apply to me. Uh, she was there to validate all of it. When we first sat down and I figured out after the fact that she had put Mickey and I through ceremony, that was the first conversation we had. And it went like this. I know you and I have some work to do here and you have something for me that I don't quite understand yet. You certainly do. I got some trust issues here because you put Mickey and I through ceremony without advising us you were doing it, much less ask for our consent. And mm-hmm. when she said, well, well, I had to, I knew what she meant by that. Yeah, mm-hmm. this wasn't, she didn't do this by her own volition. Some higher authority said, this is what you're supposed to do for Lowell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our dialogue went on for that after about, I don't know, maybe two months, 60 days. She had some follow-up and some other things that she'd done, um, things that she wanted me to be aware of. And since then, I've reached out to her a few times, haven't heard back. So in my mind, she did what she was supposed to do, and she moved on. Right, right. This, Um, so back to the picture. This was um, a ceremony that never was planned. After mm-hmm. I was invited to one that Friday, when we got through sitting together and I got to ask questions and the why me's and all that and get mm-hmm. it's satisfied to a degree, she had invited me to a private ceremony they were going to on a property that had this energetic pyramid on it. I, I was invited. I thought I was like the third wheel. No, no, mm-hmm. no. You are an active fourth participant. You're holding the fourth corner. And I didn't know that. Well, here was where an awareness of time I'd spent in Egypt was going to bubble to the surface. Mm Because that wasn't on my radar. Atlantis, got it. Lemuria, yes, well-schooled now. Egypt, really? Well, I get the timeline, but holy cow, this was not what I expected. And in it, that vision, I kicked off the top of the Great Pyramid and removed it 
for the rest of humanity to access the cause of Menti. So let's right. tuck that away, okay? We finish that evening, get back to where her people that were visiting from Miami were about midnight. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was gone the next morning. She said, there's one more ceremony I want you to participate in tomorrow. Just meet us here at noon and we'll all follow our way out there together. So I said, okay, I'll be back. So that was the beginning of this. And that ceremony again, about a dozen people, four cars. Um, I think I'm a tag along. No, mm-hmm. I'm not the tag along. This is for me. She stayed an extra day to execute this. So we're going out to a piece of property pretty much on, out in the middle of nowhere between um, just north of Mount Shasta and Klamath Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, 40 minutes away from Mount Shasta, really, there is a property that's a, a Veterans Memorial. And in it, there's this beautiful sculpture garden. There's mm-hmm. a place where you drive into the property and then there's like a little circle you drive around and then there are spines that go off in I think seven different directions that have unique sculptures like this one. Mm-hmm. This just happened to be when I got there and I parked my car and I was unloading my chair and whatnot, I could see this one and it caught my eye. Well, as the rest of the people were getting themselves situated, um, Kumo came over to me. And she said, I want you to take your chair and I want you to go sit over there and um, I'll come and give you you directions when the time comes. I still don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So they treat this place sacred. She's been here before. They haven't done ceremonies like this one, but they've been here before. And she's going to put me in physical touch with light beings. Now, when she comes over to me after I'm sitting in the chair, She's explaining to me, well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to orient yourself underneath this. Your head's going to go here. Your feet are going to go there. And um, I want you to get in your mind what your intent is. What questions do you want answered out of this session? Mm -hmm. Just get that in your mind. I'll tell you what the first one was. (laughs) I wanted to know whatever this relationship you're telling me about me and Toth, if it's real, if this is really what you got in mind for me, then I'll buy it all. Just show me one light being, I'll buy it all. Well, I didn't mm-hmm. see one. I saw four. What you're seeing right here are all four of them in one shot. Okay. There is a whole variety. And I need to say first, when before this was going to begin, she said, I want you to give me your phone. Because we're going to take these pictures with your phone. No one can ever say that I took them on my phone, sent them to you. They will always be in your cloud. They will take them with your phone. So mm-hmm. she was capturing these dimensional images with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so did you feel, what, what, what did you experience when you were laying down there? It's a good question. So here, there were physical and audible parts of it. At first, when I was laying there, getting in a meditative state, so I had my eyes closed, I heard this buzzing. So think of like the biggest hummingbird you've ever seen, heard of, you know, that kind of vibration with that kind of, well, Mm -hmm. that was right here, uh, right over my right hand quadrant here. And then it stopped. I thought, well, that's interesting. And of course, I'm thinking, you know, it had to be like a critter just flew into the frame and out he went. Right. Well, then it started on my left hand side. And what I became more aware of is, wait, if that's a critter, it's not moving anywhere. It's like stationary. Mm-hmm. And a critter would have to hover. If that was a hummingbird, it doesn't stay still. And then it stopped. Mm-hmm. And then it started one last time right behind my head. 
And this time when it did, as I was listening to that, there was an energy surge that went like from my crown, like through me. Mm. Felt like, you know, a chills when you're not cold, just Mm -hmm. like an energetic something. And it's three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon without a cloud in the sky. Mm, Okay. Well, let's go to the next picture. I think that's the last of that set of pictures. Here's the last picture you sent me. Yes. So what we're looking at is there's Lowell laying underneath the statue. And um, in the picture, it looks like there's something physically hovering and spinning so fast that you can't see it. So it just looks like this blur. And um, you can see the light reflect on one side and then the other side, there's no light. So um, what is this thing that's hovering over in this picture go ahead and tell them what it is is a ufo it's a ship it's a ship okay uh is it a small ship i mean it's pretty small i have no frame of reference so i don't know i don't was it close to the camera was it over me i don't know the perspective but toward the end she took about 15 or 16 total pictures and Mm -hmm. these toward the end were six or seven of them and at first, I didn't see the green thing at the top. I was looking at me at the bottom. Okay, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show me? Well, then I caught the top. And you could see in each frame how this thing rotated. Yeah. She said, that's a, the ship spinning over you. Oh, you have other pictures? There um, are like six or seven of these. Okay. So when you had six or seven of these, and then you put them together, then you can, yeah, you can, you can see, see the, rotating. You can see the motion. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and. And so, and this looks like, because in the picture frame, it it's not obviously a citywide ship. So I wonder how small are the inhabitants? Is there anybody inside the ship? How small are they? Because it doesn't look you that know, big of a ship. David, you're ready to crack open that rabbit hole. We'll uh-huh. go down it because I think that there are some perspectives of light travel. Ah. like bodies and how those packages come together and are transported that we don't really have a clear vision of. And, you know, when we think of what we've seen on TV and markups and all that, um, all I can tell you is this, that light ships don't move like that. They do not require propulsion the way that we know we have to push ships. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't do that. (laughs) Yes. They're light craft and they move wherever they want, whenever they want, at whatever rate they want. And that's okay. what, when when that phenomenon's actually been captured and they say it was here and then it was there and then it disappeared and then it went up. That's how. Yeah, yeah. It goes wherever it focuses on, right? It, it telekinesis is really, really how you get where you want to go. And yeah. then you control the amount of energy and your density. The reason we can see those and they disappear is they're changing density in the craft so that, yes, now it's within our field of awareness and we right. get to see it until we're not in their field of awareness and they want back to fourth or fifth dimension and off they go. They go they're up, still they go. there. We can't see them. Right, right. So um, I always give this analogy when it comes to um, seeing um, interdimensionally. It's like when you're looking at a, um, a fan 
and the fan speed goes faster. You can still see the the blades moving, but um, as it goes higher in frequency and speed, all of a sudden it looks like it's disappeared. You just don't see the blades anymore. That's a really wonderful analogy. Yeah. So, um, so when, when people, some people see some things and others, like you might be standing in the same room or the same space. Some people see things that's happening and others don't. It, it has to do with the matching of the frequency of what it is they're viewing and the, the receiver. So I love to hear you just continue to support that notion. That is the one thing that people really need to embrace. If you raise your vibration, wait till you see what's around you. Cause it's yeah. magnificent. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so this, this image it it is spinning and um and it's hovering right there and the thing with um the light beings and correct correct me and add some information is they can change size because they're just energy so they can change size to larger or smaller physical or non-physical depending on the like you say density or the frequency of the spin of their, yeah, I don't I carefully use this phrase because I don't want people to think that there's anything negative or um, they can shapeshift. They can turn into whatever form they wish to because they're mm-hmm. light bodies. They're light and they're not even as dense as crystalline form. They've left that behind too. Mm-hmm. They're just light. Right, so right. We see different apparitions of them, but they still have form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they, okay. So, well, obviously there has to be some kind of form because they had DNA that the, the military used to put into um, volunteer military personnel to have light yes. being human hybrids, like your friend who was a tour guide. So, yes. um, but you have to be pretty high frequency, even, more, even, even to capture this in your camera. Bullseye. Yeah. So it's like yes. some people capture, capture ghosts and, spirits and and all that kind of stuff in the cameras where others don't see very much at all it depends that's exactly why you'll capture what's on your vibration you know i always wonder i like Hmm. to know the the nuts and bolts so i really want to understand whatever chemistry is working between me and this camera when i am in a higher dimensional state why does this same technology allow me to capture that which i see there but here that no one else can see, that's actually really magic. Think about it. So this is fascinating. So let me go to this next picture. So here's me, and this goes to my next question as well. So um, in Laos, Thailand, and many Southeast Asian countries, we have these smaller relic temples built by deceased royalty or landlords. So there's one in Northern Laos that I visited called the Tomu Monument, which talks about a local king that went to 5D Mount Kilish to learn the metaphysic arts from wise residents of Shambhala. Okay, so he only studied for a couple of months, but when he returned, he did not age more than a couple of months. But in the 3D world, it was a thousand years and his wife uh, committed suicide after hearing a rumor that he died and she waited all that time for him later he did remarry a young woman that he believed is the reincarnation of his deceased wife so this is a long-held knowledge that the higher dimensional realities of consciousness 
and its inhabitants vibrate faster than lower, slower, third dimensional consciousness, peoples, and realities. So I'm supposed to take pictures of copyright-free pyramids and megaliths of Lemuria in this life for my book series, um, which is part of um, a pre-life agreement with the spirit world. And long periods of lost time upon my return is a concern that I have. So um, so my book series, uh, Buddhist Mandalas, covered half of my my agreement with the spirit world to teach people about their Merkabas or their aura fields. And I am excited but anxious with the Lemurian Pyramids book series because of that whole time lapse thing. So... Um, so this, let me show you really quick. So this is the Tome sure. Monument, okay? And um, in, this is later on because they, they people were shorter. <laughs> okay, people were shorter. However, I also visited um, Vat Poo. Okay, here's my Vat Poo. It's also in Laos. And this is just one of many. Actually, let me go to here. Well, this is me, this, this me and my friend. We, 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 trekked, we trekked around Laos together. This is, this, is my, this is my Mercedes Benz in Laos. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, she never let this, this elephant never let anybody ride her. So the, the, the guy was just, um, was walking behind us the whole time and I just rolled this elephant <laughs> the whole nice. time and he was walking behind us because he was like he's, he's never seen a tourist just you know she will allow anybody just to get on and, just, and then she well, just started walking off yeah, yeah. I, I you know you, you, they would do the pictures so I would get on the plank and I would sit on the top and they'll do pictures but then she just started walking on so he just started following me so so he was very um surprised but here's the picture here's um Vat Poo in Laos and it is the sister mini um temple of Angkor Wat. So if you go Angkor Wat and you face towards Laos, it goes to the sister temple, which is Vat Pu in Laos. And um in ancient um temples, they built it just like we build houses and things proportional to the height of the average person here in modern times. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not building 30 feet doorways because we don't have 30 feet <laughs> okay so if you so if you're looking at um archaeology and you're looking at ancient temples they built it to size of the people that live in there so this is i am five four so this is almost twice my size these and these were all the doorways and um and so i know there's folklore now of people going oh yeah and then um here's the temple and here's that temple but the archaeology has to fit the people at the time um this is also in laos northern laos this is the plain of jars thousands of these megalithic jars and there's a whole folk folklore about that um here's just to see the size and the scale of these jars but this is where Lowell, I need you to kind of help me with this paranoia that I have (laughs) about going further into this book project of taking copyright pictures for the megaliths and the pyramids of Lemuria uh, because I have to get over this fear that I'm going to lose a thousand years when I come back. 
So, no, and that's, no, 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 yeah. no. Here's how I look at it. In fact, this is a topic that's actually come up recently for me. Okay. You know, I don't consider myself an artist, but somebody showed me a program. And because I thought, you know, maybe there's a way I can put these keywords in here and somehow bring to mind uh, and bring to life what I have seen in inner earth. And when I did, I went, oh, my God. Well, first of all, the program's amazing. And second of all, God darn, it's pretty reminiscent to it. It's as close as I'm going to get out without being able to take a picture. And I've always said, I held on to the idea, man, if I could take this off my head and let you look at it like a VR machine and see what I saw, that's the only way you'll ever really appreciate what it was. So when I saw this program, um, it started to spawn the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. I had um, put a few out. I had done the hydroponic gardens. I had done Mm -hmm. um, the temple and I had done inner earth and man, it hit a nerve with people. Okay. I got your attention because this is as close as I can come to. This is what it looks like. It excited lots Mm -hmm. of people that wanted to know more about Telus and Lemuria. And so see how the fever is starting to grow again. Mm -hmm. So I don't consider myself an artist at all. I can replicate it to me. That was divinely inspired. Holy shit, yes. Now, I've seen graphic artists from all over the world remark on these things. In fact, they want them for their walls. And Mm -hmm. um, when they did, they said, you need to put your name on those things. And I took a beat, and I already knew what my answer was. But I waited until someone brought it up a second time, and I felt as though I was compelled to give you my answer. So here it is. It's hard for me to claim any kind of copyright on something that was divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. That was meant for everybody else. How am I supposed to take credit for it? So, you know, I can't speak to anybody's intent. If they decide that they want to steal it, perpetuate it on their own, I can't stop that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if that's another way that it gets spun around the world, so be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm showing on the screen, I'm showing a series of megaliths and pyramids all over the world. Um, even in China, they have the white pyramids of China, which is very hush hush. They do not want people taking pictures, but some people, some tourists snuck out some pictures of the pyramids in China. Um, but they're all wow. over the, they're all over the world. And, um, the, the, here's, here's, this one is in Korea. They're this, everywhere. You know what their real everywhere. purpose is. This is, right? this is you the China pyramids really are, right? Go ahead and enlighten everybody. This one is the um, Jin Yang Pyramid. In These are uh, energetic sources that mm-hmm. attach China. us to other stargates, to other places off the planet. They were not mm-hmm. built to hold former pharaohs. They were not built for any of that. You, you, if you really take a look at them, there's always a strategic alignment with some kind of star set so that when you look at it, you know what time of year it is. And when it's that time of year, these things happen. Uh, yeah, they're energetic portals to elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Kind of like airports, right? In a way, but they like also, also anchor the energy grid for the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, this this one is a is a picture of the Chinese pyramids. And they do not want people to, they don't want tourists there. They don't want any of that 
stuff. So they actually planted a bunch of trees, but it still looks like a bunch of trees on a pyramid. (laughs) 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 Chinese government is very funny about they just don't they don't want to rewrite their history. Um, In Southeast Asia, it's easier. Yeah, Southeast Asia is easier to to um, to cover pyramids. But here's the. If you guys want to look at Google Earth to see, um, there, here's the latitude and longitude of the Chinese pyramids. Um, so here's another one. See, they planted trees to cover. <laughs> I'm very interested in those formations because I, you know, I'm, I'm the Capricorn. I want to know how were those built. Oh, yeah. This is Unaguni right here. You got to go underwater. It's only 60 feet from um, Jap- Japan in a small island, but they're megalithic. Um, oh, oh, this one is the Bosnian pyramid. So now yeah. that Doesn't one has it make got... you wonder what else is underneath the surface that we know is yes, there and we just yes. haven't discovered yet. There's yeah. a lot of it. Well, the Bosnian pyramids was one of the best things that ever happened to Bosnia because it brought equal tourism there. Um, it brought they do volunteers, people volunteer to kind of help dig. Um, and it brought so much business for the local tourist um, industry there that they have this, the pyramid of the sun and um, people come there only. Some people come there only for the energy healing. They trek up to the very top and they say that they get that's a lot of healing. Ask. Do they allow people to be on the mountain? They, they oh, do. Is wow, it just the pyramid? This, awesome. this, the mountain is the pyramid, and they yeah, yeah, have yeah. already uh, yeah, proven I it. Because I meant to say pyramid, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That was not unintentional. That was not man built. There was none of those things. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Bosman pyramids, and a lot, a lot of people go there for archaeology, for excavation, just to commune with the pyramid. Um, they many of them go up to the very top because there's. A lot of people report energy healing phenomenons with their illnesses and whatnot. So um, there's a lot of that. And all these pyramids in all the cultures they're in report much of the same stuff as well. But um, if you're in an environment that has a pyramid, it is a big ecotourism industry. And I wonder if if your fifth dimensional consciousness or higher, do you get a different experience at these sites than somebody who's third dimensional consciousness? Just kind of you like know, with those pictures. You get to see more than that. See, you're looking at these things and wondering a third dimensional perspective. You don't see the etheric, you know, fifth dimensional construct over that. You, man. There are different colors, different forms that you're just not ready to see yet. Plus, you're trying to see them through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have limitations with that to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then here is uh, Southeast Asia has architecture. It just basically, um, they, they look like Vimanas. All the many of the temples look like vimanas, and they many of the temples, the doorways are not small, except for the later ones are small. The earlier ones are very high archways. They look like vimanas. They look like um, like power plants. Okay, so um, even in in Africa, there are pyramids there too. So, oh, Hawaii has one. I have yet to go to this Hawaii one. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so, anyways, but that is that is the thing that is a fear. 
that um, that many people have is because you went through your experience and you came back in a relatively normal time frame. So unlike those folklores where they went back for a couple months and they missed thousands of years or a whole thousand years, that's the fear that many people in Southeast Asia have about even if the high frequency, some of them have that about going to these different portal sites because they're afraid that they may not come back to their life with their family and their friends in the same time frame. So can you address that fear because you did it and you came back? I sure can. And we're still here Uh, in the same time frame. So yeah, I can see where people could slip timelines. I have an understanding of how that could happen. Where you Tell would us about that. And not come back until later. Well, that's more of a dream. And I don't like to project into the future only for this one reason, because the next choice I make is going to just alter where I was going in the future anyway. Mm. And I don't, I'd rather, I was reminded recently, live in the moment. Yes. Buddhists had it down pat. Don't look at the back. Don't look where you're going. Enjoy this and watch what unfolds next. My intent is clear to the universe what i want back in abundance they're working on it so just hold steady hold your space and just wait till they give you what you're going to send because as soon as you do it they're going to blow you away with the next thing okay good so when you know people have fear like that they're stuck in this we're here for duality we're here to understand physicality so all those things that you're describing are concepts of what we are playing out here. Because in the next realm, you'd never look at it that way. Mm-hmm. You already know that concept up there that all those people I thought I lost and died, here they are around me. They're all waiting for us. We go back to that place. You know, you got to believe that you have incarnation, that that's a real thing, and that mm-hmm. you've had past lives. You go back to that realm to recycle. And in there... We are all one and we all love one another there. It's only when we come back here to learn some more three-dimensional lessons, we drop our vibration. We are in a lousy density. We got to crawl back out with no tools to begin with. Whatever knowledge we have, yeah, that's been tucked away until later. Maybe you'll remember it. Maybe you won't in this incarnation, but that's the game you're playing. I'm not saying that it's not beneficial. Because that's part of the universe evolution. This is part of our purpose. You are a spark of source. You broke off with all the tools that he has. And all the time that Jesus has been trying to tell us God's inside of us, he was exactly right. We just didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So we carry that around with us until we get here. And our density has to drop in order to enjoy this. But we've signed up for some lessons. Our sole contract is this is what I want to learn. And I know I got to learn the good and the bad parts. That's the contrast. It's a dual world of duality. Here's what you signed up for. When you're done, you go back, you either get more lessons and you recycle or no, I'm done. I'm going to ascend. That's the place that that's done. Okay. So, oh, that's good to know. So, um, so like when, when I resume my, travels my buddhist folklore archaeology travels to different uh portal points along the um lemurian islands or pacific islands mm-hmm. um then i just have to know that i'm going to go there i'm going to have these experiences i'm going to take these pictures whatever comes through and then i'm going to come back and continue on with my life so i'm not going to miss 
the next 50 years like oh i came no. back and everybody passed no. away <laughs> so, okay no, good that is a fear that a lot of southeast asian people have because they live around these ancient temples and yeah. these portal points around these megalithic areas and they know many of them know where they are but they stay away from them because they have heard of these stories of people coming back and missing huge gaps in time and well that's unfortunate because yeah. look, there's some magic around all that you can only imagine what the ethereal world is like over there wouldn't you like to dive into that just embrace it they've been shut out of that because you're, they've been conditioned by this idea that they should be afraid of this and that and there is nothing around us but benevolent life and mm -hmm. the higher dimensions they're all benevolent i can't mm -hmm. deny that there was manipulation that took place here that you know there was negative energies that influenced our you know progression shall we say but that element's gone now there's mm -hmm. residue of it left over and that's what we look around ourselves and go you know what the hell i still hold new earth is right around the corner so i'm not right. going to pay more attention to all this white noise around me i've mm -hmm. seen what comes next and even if you took me tomorrow god great <laughs> i'm so ready I know what's there. I get to slip between dimensions now, and I'm beginning to see some other people that their awareness is getting to my level, and they get to re you know, experience the same things too. That's what I'm waiting for. So I'm not the only one doing the work too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what we're looking at in the screen is this is this is where you went to the Talos portal. So you have to hike um, with your tour guides. And you guys hiked oh, all the yes. way up to, let me pull up one of these pictures here, Bunny Flat Trailhead. It's just like a hike. So um, now, are there certain techniques that you use to find nature portals? Do you use dowsing rods, meditation? No. What do you do to find these You just spots? feel it. You just, you are an energetic being. And when you give in to that feeling and surrender to it, oh, you'll feel them. And then once you start to feel them, and you learn to what to look for, um, you'll see little idiosyncrasies in those areas. Because when the first time I went to Shasta and I was looking for these you know, energetic places, you'd feel them because I go off trail. I don't mm -hmm. follow where everybody else goes. And, you know, you just are, you're drawn to an area. Well, after you're drawn to a few of them, now you can see some common er commonalities. And there in Shasta, you don't see a lot of green areas, you know, like mad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But these energetic areas have them. Yes. And you'll see this green patch that doesn't belong here with a tree in the middle and rocks around it. Okay. <laughs> you wanted me to notice here it is. They, you feel the energy between them before you get there. And if you're an inner kind of light worker, you now understand what you have to do. You're going to plant your light here too and just contribute to that spot. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you see so, how green this one is. That's a good yeah. example. When you look at it, doesn't it just look like in your fairy habitat, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Well, where there's high energy, that's where there's a lot of growth, anyways. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's all so, rock and trees. Yeah. Tell yep. me how it's so lush. Yeah. So you look for super lush areas like this. That's and what that's... I've learned to look for. At first, it was just strictly energetic. But now you can start to look off in the distance because you recognize 
those things, but you've got to do this enough to have that even that frame. Of yeah. Well, what about what, what's up with this one? Because all the trees are clustered in this circle, and yeah. then they all are kind of grown in a kind of a an angle, like the energy is curved. Yeah. Uh, now you would think that that was the curves were a mechanism that, of the wind. Is that wind? Yeah. Really. Oh, it's not. That's what I thought, but it's not that. They, uh, when I see those configurations, I think fairy circle. You know how that's what I'm thinking. Grow? I'm thinking a fairy yeah. circle because they can get really big. It's just a circle and or of of um, all mushrooms or all flowers, all um, just green yes. patch in a circle. That's exactly how I see these. Yes. Yeah. So, but this is a fairy circle of pine trees mm-hmm. growing in a full circle and and growing not in a straight line but growing in an angle. The yes. same angle. Honey, I saw some trees that were folded over boulders. Now, how do you do that? And still living. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this this was a, is, would this be an indicator of a portal or energy yes. vortex right there? Oh, energy okay. vortex, yes. It's and vortex. that's why when you're going through here, I had taken you know screenshots of the um, coordinates. So when somebody asked <laughs> after the Telos thing, well, didn't you take a snapshot of where you were? Yeah, like I thought of that, but I have since. And every yeah. time I find one of these energetic portals, yes, everybody who has an iPhone has a ca- uh, compass on it. You can screenshot it, and here's your longitude and latitude. I am right here. Okay, so are, are you guys doing any kind of meditations or anything? Do you go into the center when you find these vortex points in nature? Do you go into the center? What do you guys do? Is there something I that you guys always, do? Well, I'm alone for the most part when I go there. And I have that technique where um, I'm going to ground my light here. I take four infinity breaths and intentionally plant my light. It wasn't until this year that, and it wasn't, I had taken couples up to these energetic areas before, mostly young mm-hmm. people who were interested. Um, and they mm-hmm. were good because they were engaged. Oh, Lemuria was a trigger. Telus was a trigger. And as much as that, that they could get in, they were hungry. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until this year that I agreed to take more people. And I did so reluctantly. Honestly, we know how collective energy works. And when you get, it, it just takes one person's vibration to drop everybody else's. Mm-hmm. That was what I was consciously aware of in preparation for adding this as a workshop this year. Well, yeah. about a week before, my guide said, you got to let it go, Lowell. It's not up to you. All we're asking you to do is take these people there. Because the other thing going through my head is, okay, they got this expectation that they probably think that they're going to go to tell us to. I can't promise that. I don't know what their experience is going to be. All I can do is I hope that they have some. Well, right. After the first day, they reported back to the um, event coordinator. Mm-hmm. I've heard about it after the fact. Everybody had some kind of experience. Beyond mm-hmm. me, I took them there. I set the table. It, it worked. Uh, we, in fact, found the first thing that drew me to that area in the first place was a cave. Somebody actually found a cave while we were up there. And mm-hmm. I had not. Somebody had sketched the next day somebody a being that they had seen walking and damn it bond when i saw it it looked like alex from my visit how do you yeah. do that somebody yeah. else three others wandered off in another direction these people were not hikers by any stretch of the imagination right. 
I was explaining the first time I came, I kind of went up that way and then I worked my way along the ridge and I ended up over there. So we'll be over there. Two hours later, they showed up um, in a place that it was impossible for them to get in the amount of time and the amount of distance they had to cover. We know right. they found the vortex. They went through a vortex. When you go to a, when you go through a vortex, here's the, here's the concept. If it typically takes you an hour to go to drive through that space or walk through that space or whatever, but all of a sudden you do it in five minutes or 10 minutes, then you went through some kind of time portal. That, that, that's, that's the concept. So, and these happen, every single hiker who's an avid hiker has these experiences where they're like, how did I scale that in such a quick amount of time? And um I want you to go over some, because it's good that, that, and this is one of the reasons why in ecotourism and metaphysical ecotourism, a lot of people, they just want a, a guide that has the experience, just pick, you know, a safety, because safety first. And if you know where to go, then just take us there. Some people might be going there just for energy healing. Some people might be going there just for, just to take some pictures for you you never know what they're going to get everybody's going to get something different so i completely agree with your friend that lol don't judge why they're asking you to go there they made it here now take them to the destination that they are hiring you for so um what are some best practices and safety that people can can keep keep in mind when they're doing this let's say not with an excursion tour yeah every place is different you describe sedona and i happen to love sedona it's a great place to hike because it you can get to some phenomenal things with you know they're they're right off the road that's Mm -hmm. a different hiking environment as shasta is the areas that i've been directed to take people is a lot more loose rock they call it scree so Mm -hmm. like for every two steps you're going to take you're going to slide back one you just have to be aware that that phenomenon is going to, it's going to wear you out a little bit. I always suggest carry a walking stick. It Mm -hmm. doesn't hurt to have one more thing to lean on. Um, Sometimes you need to move something with it. They're always handy. Think like a hiker, bring some water while you're out there Mm -hmm. and take your time. You're in no hurry. If you're really out here to connect with, you know, source, then enjoy it along the way. I stopped frequently the the um, map areas where you're showing when I returned it was four hours to get back there now yes I had to hike and it was a long way but honestly I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I stopped to enjoy those wooded areas oh right. yeah I stayed there to take the energy in there because it was amazing you had this whole space to yourself who gets to do that there was no footprints of any kind. So if anybody had been here before, it's been a long time. That's right. so rare. And right. when you really want to connect to solemn, quiet, you got to go way off trail to find it. When you finally do, that's all you want. Right, right. So you guys really get good at hiking best practices. We want you guys, if, you, if you're interested in these metaphysical um, eco-tourist excursions like finding portals in the mountains, in the parks, etc. Um, finding nature trails where it'll take you to a fairy circle and, and 
all these fun activities, we also want you to be safe. So have your backpack, have your hydration, your water. Watch out for weirdos. Um, especially <laughs> I, I got to tell this, I got to tell this to kids. I got to tell it to okay. kids because there's a lot of young people who listen to the podcast and I'll tell you my experience of, of, of hiking in the park, um, and being followed by somebody. And I look back and I, I hiked farther away on the trail and there was the, the person was still behind me. And I turned around and I asked him, are you following me? And he said, no. And so I just, got off the trail, walked to the river, just got off and walked to the river, which wasn't far away. And he came down the trail and walked towards the river. And then I knew that he was following him, me. So then I um, made a lot of noise. I yelled really loud and there was hikers coming up and I pointed at him and, 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 you know, called him out for following a little kid and, um, you know, and then kind of walked back and the, the guy, hightailed out because he he got called out for his activity um, and other hikers were wanting to find him and question him and seeing if I was okay and whatnot so I just wanted to say this for the young people who are hiking with your friends and you're going out and you're trying to find nature portals in your neighborhood in um, the backwoods of your your park, wherever you guys are, um, be safe and be cautious of if you see suspicious activity, um, deal with it appropriately, like keep a distance, stay away from them, and then make a lot of noise um, to get them away from you. Because that's all that I can say if you're like a little kid with your friends hiking in the woods and you you see this stuff. But for the most part, Go with groups of people, friends, a tour guide is best. And if you're going to do these long excursions, like going to Bunny Flat Trailhead in Mount Shasta, which is a four-hour trek, make <laughs> sure you have the proper equipment. I can't em- yes. emphasize it more. I because... neglected to mention hiking boots. Have good hiking boots. I've seen yes. people in sandals, and I have no idea what they think they're doing. There's no traction. And it's going to be hard on your feet and legs, even with hiking boots. It's strenuous, but mm-hmm. if you want to find these places, you know, you're going to have to be up and fit to go to those spots. And Shasta is calling a lot of people now. Yet yeah. I didn't really, wasn't drawn to it until it called me and look what happened. Yeah. Now let's go to your, the next one. These, these are all on your website. It's in the show notes as well. So when you guys went up and you found the spots, um, you went. You is there anything? Yeah, there, isn't that one cool? Oh my god, I stumbled on that one. But oh my god, the energy yeah. around that was crazy. There's a tree inside of those rocks. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, you see some fun stuff. Um, let me go do this. And when you guys found a spot that the a portal point, let me go here. At. Uh, that was the portal spot from my this way first here? visit. No, no, the last one. Yeah, that's one this more one back, here? Back, right there. Yes, in fact, I did not take that. The following year in May, I heard from a guy who lived in Tahoe. He goes by mm-hmm. Russian Duck, and he had put together enough of where he thought I had said I had been, and the photographs I had taken. 
And I'll be damned if on a Sunday afternoon, now mind you, the road between Bunny Flats and the top is not open. So you got to hike up there. Mm-hmm. He hiked all the way up that three and a half mile road to find this spot and took pictures from it. I'll be damned if he didn't find it. Okay. Tell us your experience. So you, your first time you went in, you found this spot. This is a portal point. And this, this is, is when you- back looking out back toward where I would have come. So way off in the distance is that parking lot as high as you can drive on Mount Shasta yeah, old ski bowl trail. Right. This from where I was looking a few days earlier when the sun hit it, right. It looked like it had the potential to have like cave openings. So I decided one day I was going to explore this area and see if, in fact, there might be some. This was one of those areas that looked suspect. And as I made my way over here, I could tell, first of all, it wasn't a spot a lot of people went. And where I was really interested in going, there was no trail that went to it. So I'm going off trail for sure. But it was worth the exploration. As I was moving up and that's when I began to sense these smaller energetic vortexes. And mm. oh my God, when you stepped into them, they just felt good. The first one I planted myself on was one of those that had a little bit of green that I hadn't noticed. And, but I did notice here's tree it, with like four, it was in the middle of four rocks. That, that doesn't look like it was, it was less intentional, but it had to be <laughs> nature had to engineer that. So mm-hmm. I stood there and I was going to take that in, plant my light there. And I saw just off to my left and a little bit higher, there was another one similar. So I thought I wanted a little more elevation. So I moved over to this spot, was starting to position myself and get used to it in the same way, got the same good feeling. And then I saw one last spot with three rocks. So what you're looking at here is like, that's the middle rock. And then just to the right, that one was a little higher than my inseam but narrow enough for me to go over and once you got over that rock oh man there's plenty of room to sit on the ground and stretch your legs out and lean your back up against the mountain so -hmm. really the only thing that's between you and the rock of the mountain is the brush that's dried there (laughs) okay (laughs) well after i had looked in that direction i had planted my light sat down i was having some water some grapes when I'd finished that, I was listening to music on my iPad. And just about this time, you know, the, the sun was a little further than overhead. But I started to sense where I was sitting, like a, like a shadow that was moving across the ground. And okay. not fast, but it was moving so that you could visibly see it. And while I noticed this, almost above me, it felt like there was a canopy of similar nature kind of coming over my top. So I stood up a little bit to kind of take note of it. And then I felt a breeze from behind me, a breeze. And when I turned around, there's a hole behind me where I was just leaned up against rock and dry brush. And when I stand up to take it in, this thing's at least a foot, maybe more taller than I am. So here's an opening that is looking into where I am as the light's starting to adjust. There's a little rise that comes up and then it goes downward. Mm-hmm. Now, it took a little while for me to kind of let the light adjust because when I'm looking into, there's no sunlight coming in. Mm-hmm. But as I, as that is coming around, it looks like there's, there's somebody down there. 
On the left hand side. It's like a black hole that was behind you all of a sudden. It just appeared a black hole. In retrospect, this is a lava tube, which makes total sense. These are all volcanic craters back there. And it would make sense that these cavities exist. That's what I believe it to be. Okay. When I finally figure out that, yes, in fact, there's somebody down there, that's when I hear somebody say, would you like to see Telos? Yeah, you mm. get a little adrenaline rush through here, but if this is something I've never experienced before, I don't get any vibe, but this is dangerous. And you know okay. me, I had, prior to this experience, honey, I had hoped to go to Mount Shasta because I knew that phenomenon like running into an ascended master, like St. Germain, there's no legend. This happens here. So here I am. It's just me, guys. I really want to make connection with one of you. There's no one else around, so nobody needs to know. Let's do this thing. Never did I expect that someone's going to invite me into Telos. Because up to that point, you know what I knew about Telos? Mm. I'd seen it on the cover of a book in town like two days earlier. Okay. I had Lemurian, you know, kind of um, you know, sensibilities in me. But I still didn't really understand that. Well, I was about to get an education. And in retrospect, after I figured that out, I'm one of them. And I won't know mm -hmm. that, realize that for months. That's why mm -hmm. you got to come back. Right. So you, you in, so you are, what, you're, you reincarnate, you reincarnate as Lowell Johnson, as a human in this lifetime, to be kind of an ambassador to Talos, because you were a resident of Talos? You're doing a really good job explaining this. Okay. Now I understand that one of the purposes I caused when I came here, and you kind of have to have an understanding of who Blue Ray children were and why they even came to the planet in the early 50s. Well, think back for just a moment. I'm going to give you a little history lesson yes. on why the ETs have really shown such interest, elevated interest in communicating with us. And not the least of which is Earth is ascending, and that's a cosmic cycle that we have no control over. That's here. But they took particular interest after World War II. And you know why? Because mm. we, we did stupid things, mm -hmm. like set off nuclear bombs, set off mm -hmm. a hydrogen bomb in Japan, and that got their attention. After mm -hmm. that, we did it a second time as a test mushroom in Las Vegas or just outside there in Nevada. Here, they said, we're stepping in. And, you know, they can't influence, they can't step in from their realm because humanity and this is all an experiment. Mm -hmm. But they can certainly seed people on this side and come in through their incarnations and come to awakenings. And so when the time comes, you remember your one year alone period and you remember what you came here to do. And when you got on this side, yes, when that shift takes place and they suggest that you're an emissary, you were one of them. You're going to make it easy for that transition to take place because you were another one who came to incarnate on this side to be that person that was going to hold light and hold that space. There's a okay. lot more of just me, but this is what I've come to kind of come to terms with. Right. So um, so it's like the prime directive. You can't interfere with evolving civiliz civilization. They have to come to... They have to come to um, 
higher consciousness and the higher dimensions on their own. They have to learn through their own and evolve on Correct. their own time frame. However, yes. because Earth is raising her frequency and her vibration and going up, when you raise your vibration and frequency, you go up and like we've been, we've been talking about speed. So you go up into a higher dimensions and higher dimensions of existence and consciousness that you no longer are easily visible you don't to, at the same level. That's right. You don't, yeah. This, so the lower beings don't see you. So if Earth is going up, that means we have to catch up with Earth as well. Right. Wonderfully put. Wonderfully okay. put. So everybody has to work on their fifth dimensional consciousness, yes. getting up to those frequencies and maintaining those frequencies um, so that we can rise up with Earth because she's going to go regardless because she has her own cycle. Um, but these um, light beings in these higher dimensions, they got wind of some of the atomic bombs that we were doing. It kind of what it did it vibrate into the higher dimensions and they felt it or how did they oh they're well aware they're they're around us and observing what's going on here too they okay. can see us you can see down into dimensions and see the you effects. just can't see you up. don't have to step we can't see up because our vibration isn't that high um right i like the celestine heard... prophecy right the celestine it's prophecy a lot like that okay there's okay. a there were some other evidence that made this all be really it sunk in um, to this whole mindset on why they're intervening in the way that they are now. You had heard reports, I'm sure of it, that uh, there was some footage on military bases on here's a missile with a warhead, and we were mm -hmm. preparing it for, I don't know, test purposes or whatever. There were reports of in that incident and photographs, a video, I believe, of this light thing that was mm -hmm. over the top of it. And it mm -hmm. looked at it and it shot a beam of light from one direction. It went to the opposite direction, shot another beam of light at it. It went to the other side, immediately quadrant, did it there and on the other side. And when they were finished with that little light show, they had disabled the warhead. Right. So I want to ask you this, because one of the one of the um, fears that people have is and and they've been conditioned to this as well is this world war three doomsday apocalypse where we basically bomb each other and bomb the whole planet but you're saying from your experience with talos and the higher dimensional beings and these what we call aliens um quote in quotes they are dis they're neutralizing and disassembling our missiles capabilities so if they're yes. doing that, this whole World War Three apocalyptic, we bomb each other over resources and whatever war games you're playing, it's not likely going to happen. They're not going to let it happen. Is no. that what you're saying? I, with great certainty, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, well, there that that answers that <laughs> that question that people have. So, yes. what you focus on, you create. If you don't like it, don't focus on it. Absolutely. Look, that's whatever you give your attention over is where you feed your energy. So if you want to feed your energy on the idea that we're going to have World War Three, you're actually contributing to that idea. And I don't really mm -hmm. think intentionally you wanted to feed it that. So mm -hmm. be mindful about where your mind goes because you are co-creators, in fact. Right. There's right. one thing that, um, you know, I'm more aware of what New Earth really looks like and how we get there. And over time. It's going to come out soon. 
because a lot of this has been revealed like in the last few days. Now I see the nuts and bolts that gets us from here to there. And it's okay. going to happen sooner than we expected. However, I always wondered when that day finally comes, am I just naked on the other end and there's crystalline body and here's a lot of my friends and there's nothing we have to start over. That's not the answer. Here's the answer. We uh-huh. already in our minds have created what we're about to step into. Everything we need, everything we're going to do, everything that we connect to has already been mapped out as a blueprint in all our minds. And that's what we go from this instance and this mindset here to that in a blink. And when we get on the other side, our forms are different. The way that we you know, address and talk to one are different. We've seen everybody, every soul that we've ever known is around us again. And now we get to either stay here with new earth and help her complete the cycle because she's not going to stand for for very long. No, we're just adjusting karma there. When that's done, Newt's zip to five. We're on our way back to seventh dimension. That's what she was to begin with. Mm. That's where we're going. Okay. So let me ask you about, about this because you're talking you're talking about uh, when you see New Earth or the next dimension or whatever you want, heaven and earth, whatever people want to enable it as. Um, yeah, we just basically—it's—it's it's like a blink of an eye. We're there. It's like we—it's like we reality shift. We teleport from one version of reality to another version of reality. Is that what what it's like? Is this, you're just gonna yes. be there that's, and be like? That's the best way for our human three D minds to comprehend it. But yes, in essence, that's exactly what happens. Our bodies and our cellular structures are already preparing this, and when we're talking about this additional quality of light that we're receiving, we're now receiving what's called full spectrum light. Mm. We've lived for eons on half light. No, no, no. And this is why there's some other coding that's coming our way, humans. So first of all, the manipulated DNA, there's a method now for us to have it removed before it is replaced with our original human design codex, which was uninterrupted and Mm -hmm. uncontaminated. Now, in addition to that, our cellular structures are now being upgraded to hold greater light and higher frequencies. So can you see Mm -hmm. what we're preparing to do? That's already inside of us. And man, when that day comes, that snap in between, your physicality has already been set. It's been right. getting there for decades. Right. You know, um, Dr. David R. Hawkins is one of my favorite teachers. Um, and he was a mental health doctor. He wrote many, many books like Power Versus Force and many others. And he created the map of consciousness, which, which is what he came here from source. He says it himself, he says he was at source in Nirvana in the spiritual emptiness of nothing. And he was happy. But source pushed him out of that and basically he was born he was like why am i a kid again <laughs> i don't want this but he but the, the point of his life was to create the map of, was to create the map of consciousness through kinesiology but anyways he said in his um his life work that there's an offshoot of humanity um that he call he calls homo spiritus they're highly evolved spiritual beings, almost like Lemurians, you know, very technological, spiritual, um, with sixth sense and all these extraordinary abilities um, that 
Six senses are basically natural abilities, but they resonate and exist at higher frequencies. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like if it's kind of like for people to understand six senses and frequency um, of people. It's like you look at two kids and you look at one and say, "Hey, you have the ability to be six feet tall and just jump really high and reach that tree." However, you need to grow to that height to get that height so that you can you can do what you're capable of doing, what your potential is. With six senses, and this is the Buddhist understanding of six senses because we do a lot of six sense training um, for people who have gone through their awakening and raising their frequency. When you spiritually evolve your consciousness to higher dimensions um, and it's like you're growing spiritually, then just like you grow physically with your body to get, let's say, six feet tall to do those jumps, you grow spiritually in your energy field higher and higher. And then when you reach a certain benchmark, different six senses will just come available and online for you. That's why as you go higher in your frequency, you'll have more than one sixth sense. You're doing a wonderful job of describing people sliding into higher dimensions yes you're gonna through the spiritual lessons that you're learning and by the way contributing back to the akash so thank you very much there are lessons the rest of us don't have to learn yes um um you are still evolving as well we don't stop at five you know five Mm -hmm. as we understand it is the end of you know human physicality and then we return to six dimensional light beings. And there's the stratas above that, seven, eight, and nine. They're all represented here on this planet. If you read the Emerald Tablets, when they're talking about the seven lords, they're talking about the ones that overrule the third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension, six, seven, eight, and nine. That's who they are. There is influence in each one of those that's babysitting that part of the realm on behalf of the you know, Galactic Federation. They were given the authority to you know, guard those areas, watch humanity as they're coming through. And, you know, we were taken advantage of along the way, but we learned mm-hmm. our lesson. And this part is done. Thank God, you know, we can't go back to third dimensional density because the earth is going to be that in the next stage, which is right around the corner. That third right. dimensional, it, it doesn't exist. Right. I want to say this also about um, because you keep talking about light and frequencies and how our DNA and cellular DNA is changing from this light and frequency. So. um, So, yes, David R. Hawkins said that is from his life work going to happen. How long Um, ago? I'm just as a frame of reference. How long ago was that? Um, he said it in uh, one of his recordings when he was alive. And but see, here's the thing about David Hawkins because I, I I read everything and hear every speech that he's ever had, and I'm one of his students, and I love him. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, as he got into his senior years, he started doing kinesiology and asking questions about parallel realities, and he started getting answers that yes, you will experience parallel realities depending on the frequency and the consciousness level of the person and also there's a lot of factors that go into that pre-life planning everything else but he started getting into that and he was and he was just like tickled to find that there's a little offshoot of humanity that's going to be homo spiritus and that offshoot of humanity 
is has a new nervous system that can hold more energy, more information, more light in the body. <laughs> he calls it, we, we get an upgrade in our nervous system. This is all recorded and on his life work in his, um, in yeah. his, um, this is why I asked books. the question. Because you're describing exactly what is coming into my awareness right now. And I wanted to see, as a reference, when was it that he knew and we weren't paying attention, right? Well, see, now everybody pays attention, but I pay attention to this stuff. So Now, yes. I've I've always paid attention. That wasn't a common thought. No, not coming up. But really quick, just to close off, uh, David R. Hawkins. Uh, it's in it's in his audiobooks. He talks about this in his in his 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 last couple audiobooks. But um, we upgrade our nervous systems so we can hold more light, more information, more consciousness. As we hold more light, more information, and consciousness, we also become what you would call a new human. We have these abilities, these sixth sense spiritual abilities that he calibrated, yes, that is going to happen for these people. They're going to have more than one sixth sense. Just like I described six senses. And he calls them homo spiritist. It's a potential of this of the split off of humanity that goes into this offshoot with with Earth. The other thing he says is that uh, about parallel realities, uh, many of these people experience and they are cognizant and acknowledging that they do experience different versions of reality. And that's where he stopped because he kept on trying to ask more questions to source through kinesiology, more questions about parallel realities. And source stopped him and would not answer his questions because it wasn't for him to experience and learn that his time is going to be up and he did his service. So all of a sudden opening up this whole new segment of <laughs> metaphysics what in your last couple years of life was not for him and so he was like yeah. oh i can't and i'm not gonna bar. get any more i'm not gonna get what a bar what a bar so you like he went this whole life i got and to then, the bridge and nobody would lift it up yeah what really yeah so anyway so for his contributions he contributed wonderful but yeah in his latter years in his latter he, he was like oh i got to the good stuff and now my life is going to close over so anyways i love david R. R. hawkins but he does kind of open into that and in um in science they have scientific research which i'll put in the show notes for you guys who are scientifically minded um they have done research with light and frequencies and they have shot light of a um, salamander to a frog the, uh, the the vocal DNA of a salamander. They shot it to a frog embryo, and that one only heard the light and the information about the salamander. And then that frog embryo born a salamander. Mm-hmm. Okay, you see and, how matter now can be transmuted yeah, in by light. It's light. Light is prima matra. It's creation material, and you can make anything you want out of it when your powers are restored. Honey, right. you got junk DNA that allow us to do all that. Exactly. Reaching into when we get those powers back, next realm. They're all next. lit again. Right. So just for you people who understand this, it's physical science. They've done this in experiments where they shoot different lights and that has information, kind of like Wi-Fi has information that sends to the ethers. Uh, we don't all necessarily know how Wi-Fi is 
technically happens, but packets of information shot through Wi-Fi signals that did the same kind of thing, but through light, and they send it to the test subjects. And they would do that with ducks and then send it to chicken eggs. And the chickens would be born with duck feet, <laughs> duck beak, and it was chicken. And, and it basically proved that that the information in light has DNA and information that will physically affect the recipient. So the concept that, and that we know this is a Schumann frequency, when the earth raises her frequency and continues to raise her frequency up to higher and higher energies, and there's more and more light coming into earth in these higher energies, it's going to change the cellular structure of everything living on her. Okay, she's getting basically, she's getting a makeover. Yeah, that's a really wonderful way to put it. You know, yeah. all of this strange phenomenon that, you know, in we appear as though we're ants when earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes come across. We think that they're devastating. You know, to her, those are growing pains. And right. now that you see that they're coming at the rate that they're coming, if you didn't see the signs that her consciousness is rising, here they are. I can't make them any plainer than that. Pay attention. Right, right. So which is really critical. And in the Bible, they call this a rapture, but they make it really sound like a horror movie. But really, everyone is going to get those frequencies and because you exist at this time on planet Earth, you're going to be affected by the light that's coming through. Just like yes. a science experiment, no other. Now, just like the science experiment, when they did that, uh, different chickens responded differently. Some were like, oh, okay. Others was like, what's going on? Okay, it's going to be like that here too. You're going to have people who's going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going with it. And then you're going to have, have others who's going to fight it all the way. So. Um, that's that source experiencing different ways of how it reacts to this experiment. So um, we we'll still go. have choice in the end. We are sovereign beings with free will. We're the only planetary experiment that does that, which is why everyone's watching Earth and seeing how this is coming out. Humans are not done with this. We've got another level of evolution that we get to prove ourselves again. But this time, holy cow. We get the technology from the, what the Lemurians have had, what the Atlanteans right. had and abused. But, you know, we got wiser. We're smarter. So we're going to prove to the rest of the universe what we can do. And, man, do you any have any idea with the souls that are going through this transition right now, what value they're going to have in other places? Because there'll be other places in the universe that are going well, to go through the same scenario. And wow, what your experience is going to be for others, you have no idea. Right. Well, see, just like just like when you you when you were um, a citizen of Talos, a Lemurian, a light being, and then you reincarnated because you can't you can't you got to change the game within the game right. <laughs> okay you, the, 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 good for you yeah the prime directive is real source is not going to let you just go in there and change you know the game board no. because source wants to see how its creations evolve yeah. based off the parameters so if you want to change the game board you have to be a player in it so you yeah. got to incarnate in as a human being at this time so hello welcome to 
planet Earth. <laughs> so now that you're here, you. just like you're welcome, just like you were saying, when you pre-life plan after this excursion of life as a human being, when you reincarnate, if you choose to reincarnate again, this will be part of your soul's blueprint. And then you will yes. go to other civilizations and then you'll have this experience as a soul memory. Like, oh, I know exactly how to do this. I don't yes. know why. That's how it, that's that's how exactly it goes. That's exactly right. So we're looking at images of Toth or Toth from Egypt. Okay. Now we talked about this earlier what is the deal with Toth from Egypt and how is that related to Atlantis and Lemurian folklore? Well, you've got to go back um, to um, Atlantis and its heyday and mm -hmm. understand who Toth was. And the best source for that is find the most contemporary copy you can of the Emerald Tablets. And the introduction will tell you a little bit about who he is. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have the belief that he came into being in Egypt and did he, he had a definite effect on Egypt. Believe me, he was here getting training long before that. He mm -hmm. was here during Atlantis. He was a priest king back then with godlike powers. He was one of those extra, extra dimensionals that was here to assist humanity in many ways. Um, he you'd have to understand who the dweller was. So when Earth was first formed into a planet that was going to sustain life and it became a potential colony experiment for humanity, um, Toth, somewhere along the way, um, his father was, you know, I, first of all, there's a reference in the Emerald Tablets to the dweller. So let's think of the dweller as when the Galactic Federation decided who was going to be the supreme person in charge of Earth. It's the dweller. Beneath him, he certainly designated 12 priests and priestesses, because there's perfect balance back then, mm -hmm. um, who then occupied each one of the 12 crystal pyramids that set the grid work for the planet. Okay, there's your frame of reference to start. Mm -hmm. Toad 12, 12 chakras, to be, 12 crystal pyramids. Is there is there yeah, a relation to see, that? It absolutely is. And when you mm. finally get the realization that we are electromagnetic beings, so is the earth. There's no mm. surprise that she's got those 12 crystal pyramids and we have 12 chakras. Yes, let that sink in. Um, so Toth um, was the son of Totne. He was the high priest for the first crystal pyramid. And so he learned all the things his father had learned, who had learned them directly from the dweller. And so all of the power and experiences that he had at his dimensional level, his father had uh, inherited. Now, Toth, you know, although he must have had some kind of divine connections because he had higher dimensional capabilities and wherewithal, um, he was ahead of the curve, shall we say. Uh, many apparently were brought before the dweller to be trained. Apparently, not a lot of them survived, but when it came to be Toth's turn, when he was brought before the dweller, um, he resonated with the differences between dark and light. He understood them. He wanted to know more about it. Mm -hmm. So the dweller continued to teach him everything that he knew. And Toth digested 
all of that information and became basically cosmic wisdom central. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going to carry that for the rest of his days. He took that and built it at Atlantis and those abilities and the crystal technology and everything that he gave to humanity, he was referred to as the God of wisdom back then. And all the things he brought to Atlantis to make it great until, you know, the dark side got a hold of Atlantis, shall we say. And it was about to fall. If you recall in the Emerald Tablets, he was instructed to get in the ship and take the remaining Atlanteans and head to Kem, which is today is what Egypt is. Mm-hmm. And there he was going to begin with a barbarian horde on that end and bring fifth dimensional awareness and abilities to them. So when he took Egypt and built it into what it was long before the pharaohs and you know humanity took it over, he turned it into the greatest civilization we've ever had. And then he handed the keys over to humanity. Here you go. I'm leaving now. Been here for 16,000 years. I'm going to take a break, but I'm around. I'll be back when I need to be. And so here we are at that day. Okay. So um, let, let so we're going to do a little backtracking. So when you were at that rock and that got, you were meditating in the, the portal that you found and you saw basically it looked like a black hole and there was somebody in there going, would you like to see Talos? You said, sure. Um, how did you get to Talos? Well, we took a tour. <laughs> we uh, walked down. Uh, it was an incline. And as we were making our way down, he was beginning to tell me, well, the first thing he said when I got close enough, <laughs> he said, well, you can call me Alex. I said, well, that'll be easy to remember. That's my son's name. And he said, yes, we know about your son. And, you know, follow me. So here the tour was going to begin. As we were walking down this incline, he started to tell me about the formation of the council. There's 13 people on it. Six are masculine, six are feminine. And then Adama is the head priest. Um, The people that sat on the council, in order for there to be a perfect balance, is the reason why there are six feminine influences and six masculine influences. Right. Question. So um, there's 13 people on the council. So uh, some people say that there's 13 chakras. Is there a reason why there's 13 instead of six instead of 12? I have come to understand you in these scenarios. We're always going to be around 12 crystals, 12 emerald tablets. We Hmm. see we keep seeing 12 come up when it's the 13th. You are the 13th person. You are Adama in that council. And you are the person that sees the balance and interprets it accordingly. Okay. So there's always a balance. So that's why there's six. And then there's six. That's a 12. And then you, the person that previewed you, you, the navigator, is the the 13th. The observer is the the 13th. Yes. You look at it and you are going to be accountable someday to report on what you've seen. Right. And that's why some people say there's actually 13 chakras. So... Well, there are more. There are more. People argue, well, there's 22 chakras. I'm not going to get into that discussion. Right. I'm going to deal with our physicality. So you get that down fast first. Mm-hmm. Then we can talk about things beyond that realm. And, you know, I don't know that we have the capacity to understand right. it. And right now where I sit, I don't know why. Right. No worries. So 
So Alex, which is it looks like a human being, said, let's go um, to Tails or no? He's got that kind of form, yes. But I can tell you that this guy, is, he's, he's flawless. He does not have a face that had you know any kind of crinkles. Uh-huh. Just they're flawless. And it took me a long time to connect the dots between carbon-based figures and crystalline. I had the notion that that's where we'd be. I'd had to take a lot of time to connect the dots. And wait a minute, that's the form they're already in. That explains why I can't tell if they're hundreds or thousands of years old. You just can't tell. So what, they always, they always look like they're in the 20s? They, well, whatever form they wish to take, it's pretty much cast. And okay. you know, you're crystalline. But you're not without the ability to manifest anything you wish immediately. Keep right. that in mind. Right. So you can, you can, they can shape shift as needed to whatever they need to be, yes. what age they need to be. But for the most part, they don't really have any imperfections. Um, and right. so Alex looked like a normal person. He just yes. showed up there and he said, let's go to Talos. Yes. And so then <laughs> what did you guys do? Getting one of those like light being spaceships that you took a picture of earlier? No, uh, there was a platform actually when we got down to the bottom of incline and you saw that there was light coming from down there. Um, I call it a staging area because I don't know what else to call it. On the opposite side, there were more of these tubes, uh, five of them to be exact. But right off to the left, there was a platform that was like six by six. And it looked on top of it like there were two, I want to call them bucket seats because I don't know what else to call it. No console, Mm -hmm. nothing other than that. And off to the left, there was another one. And off to my right, there was another one. Well, I was taking that in. Alex had moved around to the other side and then sit on the bucket seat on the Mm -hmm. other side and invited me to take this one. And as soon as I sat down, this thing levitated and off we went into that middle tube. Right, right. I was just showing a picture of the Emerald tablet. Is that the Emerald tablet that you, you were talking about? Is that yes. a real emerald emerald tablet or yeah, from what that... I understand, it's in the it's in a British museum right now. Okay. And you're saying that is um Toth Emerald Tablet tablet? Toth was the writer Toth? of the Emerald Tablets, yes. Okay, so you're and, saying Toth it, wrote this? I what uh, yes, he did. Yes. Long okay. before any wisdom was documented anywhere. These are the first written pieces of any kind of wisdom that's going to be passed along. Okay. And what did what was the information in this tablet? Depends that, on which one you're looking at. Okay. So, so there's a series of them? The documentation, yeah, there's 12. Uh, okay. And each one has a different purpose. When you read through them in the Emerald Tablets, you really it, it's a highlight reel. To tell you okay. that the entirety of what he knows is in these 12 tablets, <laughs> that's not possible. Okay. He put enough in here to tease humanity to understand multidimensionality without calling it that. Okay. Right. Um, see, I use a lot of video game terms. Uh, there's a lot of gamers that watch Macabre Chakra's podcast. So I use a lot of video game terms and um, and sci-fi movie terms to kind of relate some of this concepts to people to sure. understand but um when you read it in buddhism or hinduism it it, it sounds like magical fairy 
tales telling. Okay, because how how can you describe this stuff? Uh, metaphysics to ancient times who don't really have any kind of reference point for what a hologram is, what dimensions are, what parallel realities are, shifting from timelines and portals and all these different things. Um, in metaphysics, they don't have any reference point. They've never been exposed to it in literature, in movies, in any kind of communication. So um, so when you read this in, in old uh, lectures and books, um, it just sounds like you're talking about a magical fantasy, fantasy. Exactly. yeah. So that's why they and always call them the I magicians. Myself, I, they sound like fantasy to me. But let me tell you, when you're unrestricted by the things that we think is around us and all the things we get to experience here, and when you get to see the magic beyond this that I have seen, now you know what magic is. Yeah, we have really no concept. Yeah, uh, the universe be- belongs to the magicians that know about light and frequency. So these tablets are in what museum in case people want to go and see it for themselves? There's just one that I understand is in one of the British museums. Okay. That's where this was reported to have been found. And that's what I understand. Okay, so um, in summary, Tolf was a Atlantean um, and he yes. taught metaphysics and um all that came along with it from technology to consciousness to, you know, all he that alchemy, he taught uh, uh, elementals. So if you resonate with druids, yeah, he was responsible for that feminine high energy to overrule the elements and man, they can command rain and thunder. Uh, right. But he's also, you know, he is the influence behind Merlin and Merlin is one of those resources we have to take advantage of. Right, He'll right. Show his face to help people understand the magic he carries because it wasn't just for him and he gets it. Right, right. So, um, so he left Atlantis because Atlantis was going the genetic sinking. modification, sinking yes. in morality, all the above everybody talked about. He left that, went to start Egypt mm-hmm. and then started Egypt. And there's a lot of metaphysical remnants of Egypt. And then he left Egypt. And you're saying that he went to the inner been, earth city of Kalos? He's of Amenti where he hangs and just he observes what's taking place here and promised that he would return. That was 16,000 years. He was okay. there. And the, halls of is, is, the Halls of Amenti is, is a temple in the Egypt. the Great Pyramid. It's beneath right. the Great Pyramid. Yes. Okay. That's but where you, he left everything. But you say you met him in Talos, which is the inner no. Chris. No, you didn't. Okay. No. I so did how not did meet him there? So you. Ha- so how did you meet him? Have you met <laughs> him at all? Question. Um, he's been always in my the back of my mind. For some reason, I had always been fascinated by him, and it took me five passes to understand and read the Emerald Tablets. As you know, it's not a small document. Mm -hmm. And even if you're willing to listen to it, which I did three of the times, be ready to sit there for three and a half hours. Okay. It was word salad for a long time. And then all of a sudden, I just, I knew what it all meant. Right, right. So, so Lemuria and Atlantis, um, the survivors are in, Talos. Um, so they survived the mega flood. So uh, how many survived the mega flood that ended up living in these inner earth crystal cities? 
Well, let's deal with Lemuria first because okay. that went down and Atlantis was still, uh, they didn't, they didn't go together. Lemuria okay. was down first. Um, but I want you to point out something about where, when we envisioned, um, you know, Shasta, we knew was an outpost within Lemurian colonies, that mm-hmm. part of the United States and Canada and all that, um, that was part of Lemuria originally. I say that, and when we look at maps, we want to superimpose where we thought Lemuria was in the middle. The world's land masses were not like that back then. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that you know some of the areas that were high and where we expected oceans were back at that time, 300,000 years ago, that was not the way that the earth was shaped. So just with that in mind, um, Mount Shasta was still one of the high areas. And we know that really the highest areas of Lemuria were the Hawaiian islands. That's mm-hmm. why they stick up. Those are the peaks of the highest spots of Lemuria in the middle of what that used to be. It was a huge landmass. Right. Um, when so- it finally went down, then it broke off. And who remained? There was preparations because they knew it was coming um, to move what records and crystals they wanted to keep into Mount Shasta. They thought that the elevation was right. They made provisions for 200,000. And in the end, it went so quickly, 25,000 survived. Souls. Mm. Now, remember, we're still just souls cycling through our evolutions as well. So before anyone gets upset that the rest of them didn't make it, those Lemurian souls are still out there. They're in me. They're in you. Look at how we resonate with all of it. Mm -hmm. So we may not be part of the tribe there that we don't think about. Right, Um, right. Since I've come to understand, at first I'd heard the numbers that there were 1.2 million of them there, but that was like five years ago. What I have been told recently, there's 4.5 million. Not necessarily all in Shasta, in Nutellos, but there are 4.5 million Lemurians here on the planet right now. No, like living on the planet or living inside the planet? Both. Both. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm one of them. (laughs) I know you are. This is why we have these conversations. You wouldn't talk about Lemuria unless you were triggered by it. Right. Well, so, um, so really quick, uh, with my, um, megaliths and pyramids, tribe, megaliths, pyramids, and tribal folklores of Asia, it's mostly following the Buddhist folklore of Lemuria, um, which is in the records of Buddhism, um, because a lot of Buddhism and Vedic Hinduism that metaphysics are carried over from an ancient civilization that we call Mu. That's the folklore. And my project is to go through all of the megaliths and pyramids on top of these island nations in the Pacific, from Australia all the way up (laughs) to um, Hawaii, um, and take pictures and information that I can get from them because when the flood you know happens, what it sounds what is like left, you are to me. What is left over? Are, okay. This is what it sounds like. Your job is right now. You are a cosmic historian, historic Lemurian cartographer. Oh, there Your you go. Your job is to kind of recreate what that looked like for the rest of us, because it won't be long in Earth's new incarnation. Many of these places are going to come back. We haven't even touched on that spot I was telling you where Nelly's property was. Honey, there's a Lemurian temple there. 
Oh yeah, you, you just you, can't see it. That would be fun. That'd be fun. But yeah, so um, yeah, so uh, in the according to the Buddhist folklore, um, everything got flooded, and what remained were the tippy tops of the um, the mountains. And on top of these mountains, many of them have pyramids and megaliths. And that's why if you go over every single island, um, for, for the most part, in the Pacific, they all have at the very top a pyramid or a megalith. 100% because they were remnants of the whole civilization of Lemuria, which was large. Um, and so my thing about going to them is, again, just taking pictures and, and all of that so that when people want to do ecotourism, to have these experiences at different portal points on the earth, uh, they know they, they kind of have a guide, like a map, wow. a guide of what to avoid. Well, I'm I'm here, so where are all the portal points in Hawaii, <laughs> in Fiji, in that's you know, wonderful service, whatever. Yeah, and then they can you they can go. Your lane. Awesome. Yeah, that's my lane, <laughs> and that's a that's a fun one. Um, but anyways. And, and that's why that was one of my fears about continuing that is like, if I go to one and then I zoom into one of your experiences, am I going to come back in this time frame? Cause I still want to see my kids grow up and I still want to, no, you know, no, live my life. So. Well, we, we need to dissolve that right away because to me, that's one of your divine assignments. And yeah. we don't want you to be afraid to go out and, and do it. No, no. Yeah. We're excited to see the results yeah. you get because you're the person that's going to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to teach others. That's all on you, honey. Yeah, well, that's going to be fun. And we'll bring the podcast and, and they go, oh, let's take a look. So anyways, there's a lot There's a lot more to come. But um, I do love interviewing everybody else's little piece as well. So let's go look at these portals. Oh, and just really quick, Toth or Toth, he's always depicted with a bird head. It was, was he a, a, a bird man or is that a, a mask that he puts on? That is a representation of an ibis. It's like that that bird is eternal wisdom. And I, you know, when I see these, when I found those illustrations of Toad, it just brought it real. Look, those things were carved into rock. They all look the same. And there were lots of them. So this guy, he wasn't any less real than St. Germain was. We know mm -hmm. that now. And mm -hmm. so when I see those things that were carved into Egypt, I just got to go see it for myself. But when you look really deeply into the symbolic, you know, way that he's trying to communicate with us, it's magnificent. That one that you pointed to is one of my favorites because mm -hmm. it's got, it looks like he's pouring, he, and I think that's Horace on the other side, are pouring onks mm -hmm. into an empty vessel. Yes, you know what onks are? They're representations of life. So they're pouring life into that form until it takes form. That's his job. Isn't mm. that magnificent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and for, for the audio listeners, it is an image um, that you see in the Egyptian pyramids of, of Toth. Um, okay. So we're going to move on. So we've established you're going into Talos, okay? So you went into Talos from this light being named Alex that looks like a a human being that has no blemishes or any sunspots or anything. It looks, you know, perfect. <laughs> so when you go in, describe 
what did you what did you see? Was it was this something that was like a dream state that you were in deep meditation having this experience no, or was it a physical no, thing that you did physical yes this is boots on the ground physical i think if, if you flip to there's another image of telos that you've got here uh well that's what the council chamber looks like um go in the other direction because there was uh another image past that was representative of inner earth this one keep keep going um, where are the images of like inner earth and tell us where you had them a moment ago. Oh, that's one there and there that if you could see yourself, you know, this was a cityscape I was seeing and this was as close as I could get the white pyramid in the center of Telos, which is circular in orientation, isn't quite this large, but this is damn close. So what I got to see in this craft, that was, you know, we're hovering. We went up and saw a cityscape from that perspective. So you see this crystal city in, you know, this circular orientation built around this white pyramid in the middle that has a capstone. Capstone was given to them by Venus. And later, I'll understand, the day I saw it, it was white. That's how I described Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Later, I'll meet Diane Robbins, who's written, I don't know, three or four books on Telos, has been doing this for 40 years, and she had some information the rest of us did not. Well, that capstone changes colors depending on the day of the week. I happened to be there on Sunday. That's why it was white. Had it been mm. Wednesday, it would have been green. Had it been Saturday, it would have been purple. Oh. What, what changes the color? I, I don't know. Because I didn't see it in any other manner. That was reported right. to me from her. Okay. So um, in the pictures um, in your That's website. That's a better representation. Right 40kfootview.com. Mm-hmm. And it's in the show notes. So um, this is what they call but the crystal cities. The whole, the whole city is made of crystals? Yes. Okay. Yes. And why is it all made of crystals? That's just the most malleable material that they have. Okay. Um, you can form it into anything. And remember, they can manifest anything into form, whatever they wish. So crystals do that, hold energy, um, hold codes, uh, and you can form it into anything that you want. No okay. one gives you an apartment here. You're, you know, you here's some space and you build out your crystal cavern in whatever way that you wish. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, so really quick. So the, the ship that you traveled through a portal into inner earth to look at Talos with Alex, was it like a metal ship? Was it, no. I mean, can you describe it? You know, I want to call it crystal. But it wasn't okay. like any crystal I know. It certainly wasn't wood and it wasn't metal. I, I can't tell you what the material was. It's probably something we don't recognize in this realm. But mm-hmm. man, it it's had the ability to circumvent gravity. <laughs> right, right. So um, so what I find very interesting with um, the inner earth city of Talos, uh, these advanced Lemurians and Atlanteans that... that no. uh, no, just the Lemurians. No. Yes. No Atlanteans made it? No. What Atlanteans survived when Atlantis sunk, um, they created colonies where they would be anywhere from the northern parts of Europe 
and down through Europe, but they occupied a lot of space in South America and um, got all the way to Peru. The Atlanteans kind of spun off from the Atlantic Ocean, but you know when they went down and um, had to start over, there were 12 new colonies that were created. Atlantis mm-hmm. wasn't a city and it wasn't an island. It was 12 colonies that were spread out over, again, a landmass that was much different than we know it now. Right, right. So, um, but, but many of them perish in the mega flood. Well, so, their souls did, yes. Again, to recycle, either I'm going to come back and learn these lessons in this environment again, okay. or I'm tired of this, I'm going to ascend. What we need to really focus on um, and look at the horizon from our soul's perspective, mm-hmm. not this biosuit that we're riding. This is just, you know, this is a jacked up vehicle for my soul to ride around in when I'm here in this density. Don't mistake that for who you are. Right, right. Don't limit yourself by what you think you can do by what this thing is designed for. Right. So let me ask you this. Um, so Talos is, you're saying, one of the many um, inner earth crystal cities or cities that were created from refugees of Lemuria after the mega flood. Were there any physical cities that were created from refugees of Atlantis after the mega flood? Do you know? Uh, no, because I think that they stayed in these colonies on the surface. Uh, okay. you know, they didn't go underground. But there were Lemurians, I should say this, that found their way to Tibet. There were lots of those higher elevation things where they took and stored code in crystals. You got to wonder where all that Himalayan, you know, kind of Buddhist knowledge came from. Right. It came as seeds from Lemurians and their uh, seventh dimensional awareness. Right. Um, All of the folklores of Buddhism in and around Southeast Asia and Tibet will say that it's in Mount Kilesh in Shambhala. Yes. Which only people who are fifth dimensional consciousness and aura field will be able to access. And if not, you're just going to walk through and never be able to see it. That's right. Okay. Well, so you know, there's good news and bad news in that statement. The good news is we can all get there, all of mm-hmm. us, but you got to figure out how to get your vibration there. That's the bad news. And most people don't know what the hell we're talking about. We say that. Watch Macabre Chakra. says plenty of energy healing episodes um, to talk about consciousness raising. So uh, let, let's look a little bit more into these um, these pictures. And this round table meeting area, yes. what is that that you That's saw? That's the council chamber. That's what I saw the last day. I went there and met with, um, there were six of them. There were four female council members that were there right, Adama and Alex. So they flanked me during this last session we had together where I was going to find out why, what I was doing there and why me. Right. So let's go to this one. We're almost done with the visual tour of the images that you, that you, uh, we call experiencing. So this is the hydroponic gardens. Yes. yes. Okay. It looks very you know, futuristic. I got to tell you that when I saw this program, and again, this is an AI illustration program. It works by putting in keywords, and then you see what it comes up with. 
Mm-hmm. You use the same keywords and never come up with the same image twice, which is magnificent. Mm. About this. But when I did, I had thought for a long time, how in the world do you describe hydroponic gardens like I've seen with crystal influences and no mm-hmm. real dirt anywhere? How is that? When I started to just piddle around and produce these, oh, my God, these were pretty dang close to that. Yeah, that. AI does a pretty good rendition of uh, recreating these images. Um, yeah, but they know what this looked like. It was amazingly accurate. All right, so let's take a look at the light portals within Earth. What we're, we're looking at in the pictures is light portals within Earth. Yes. So when you were hiking at, with people, you guys are finding portals within nature and um and when you find portals within nature you're sitting there communing with it um meditating doing what you guys do but you're saying there's also light portals within earth or so are these the portals on the other side of those nature portals that people are sitting on that's what i see yes that's exactly okay Okay. And so that's why when you're using a dowsing rod or you're, you're following um, signs of this is a portal area, a small portal or a big portal area where it's in a desert also and you have like uh, a, circ- a, a fairy ring of growth, that's, yes. that's, the, that's the remnants of the that's energy the coming from the earth. representation of this kind of thing you can't see underneath. Now, again, this is you know, a dimensional realm. So yeah, I want to point out, look at how magnificent this is and see what you're missing out on when you don't vibrate at this level. Look at the codes, look at the light, look at the key codes that are buried in here. There's information in here at each one of these destinations. And when you start to read where they are, oh my God, yes, this makes sense. This one's the gateway to Middle Earth. There is a portal to Sirius. There's one to the Pleiades. There's one under the city of Telos. Oh, my God, there's one under Stonehenge. And when you see these things, look at how beautiful they are. Mm-hmm. So um, do you go into the portal? Like, do, yeah. you, do you astral travel into a portal or do you go into the portal physically in, in the ship? You've seen the movie The Stargate, right? Right. Passing through that. This is a similar concept. But this is what you see on the other end of the destination. It's just beautiful. Okay, so um, let's say let's say let's say you go through a Stargate or some kind of portal point wormhole, whatever technology, and you get there's one under Stonehenge, um, and you you get to the destination. It's going to look like this when you go to the other side of the portal. That's my representation. That's right. Okay, and this is what you say you experience as well. Yes. Okay, so you saw, you, did you go to each one of them? really resonated with me because... The Mayan realm? You, where did the Mayans come in? Here's where they came in. When the Atlantean realm was gone, who was left to pick up the pieces? Yeah, they were. Those 12 um, pieces of the Emerald Tablets that were mm-hmm. given to 12 priests and sent on their way, you know how many of those made it to the Mayan colonies? Yeah, a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. first of all, that tablet was then converted and duplicated into one of the 12 crystal skulls. Each one of them holds an emerald tablet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that happened right there in the Mayan realm. 
That's why these artifacts that look so Atlantean, codes that look so Atlantean, here is what was left. But the uh, Mayans were a separate, not as sophisticated civilization. They had been given the same gifts Toth gave everybody else too, but they still understood and abided by the Emerald Tablets, where Atlantis did not go that way. Right, right. Oh, we could say that America is, and the world is, could be going the path of um, Atlantis. So, I, that- you know, I re- regretfully I have to say that, and the conversations that Toth and I have had, he's hugely disappointed. Because when mm-hmm. he left and he turned the reins over to humanity, Egypt was flourishing as the greatest civilization ever. Mm. Uh, well, we do, we it, it, we do it. The challenge for humanity is <laughs> to balance our ego, yes, and our third dimensional right. greed, and 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 wanting to find love and um, acknowledgement externally. Yes. So all the stuff that Buddhists say, you got to work on. <laughs> They're right. They got it. Yeah. So anyways, but for those who are ready and are, are having those higher frequencies um, and they go to these portal points, they will, they, they could be experiencing these portals. Now you say when these, when you go to these portal points, this is underneath the portal points. Yes. Um, you say that they are also gateways to different, Dimensions, galaxies, you said the Pleiades. The, Some of these, no. yes. There are two, maybe three, that are stargates directly to Sirius. One's directly to Sirius and one's to the Pleiades, to the Pleiades yes. And how would you do that? Like, like, how do you go underneath the ground to the <laughs> well, see, portal? Well, that as a human being in this body and how I got to get there physically. Oh. In those terms, when you're light-bodied. Okay. You, you just focus and you fast. go. Right. By location will be an interesting concept for you to embrace. Oh, good. By the way, I love biolocation. That's one of the one of the concepts um uh, in Buddhism for advanced souls or what they yeah. would call ascended master teachers. What what the West calls ascended masters, that just teachers that's mastered this uh this experience. And um, the the concept of biolocation is much like lucid dreaming. You just focus on what you want and then you just take your whole presence and your whole beingness and you just focus and then you're there. Kind of like yeah. teleporting, teleporting from one version of reality to another version of reality, one location of reality true. to another location of reality. That's so right. uh, that that is the but that is one of the six senses that every according to Buddhism, every being has the ability to do we when you get to that frequency. Exactly. We carry that code. All right. And then the last one, there was, okay. <laughs> with, with this concept of portals. Okay. Yeah, this, this is the last fun. of the gallery. Yeah. Now remember the last gallery, those were pretty much earth bomb. These are Stargate guardians elsewhere. And you're going to see forms here that don't necessarily look like beings the way that we would see them. But there are life forms that are going to be foreign to us. But nonetheless, they're still intelligence and they still hold consciousness. And, you know, they're all benevolent. So when you see some of these stargates, and that's why I kept spawning them, because you would see different entities in them. 
they didn't all look like a guy that was standing in front of a gateway. Right. Uh, so these are the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, <laughs> these are um, Stargate, specific Stargate Guardians. Now, I tell you where they were, but you have to find them on your own. Okay. Through finding the nature, the, the portal points in nature. So you find the portal points in nature. Below them is the portals um, for in Earth. So people can go to the portals in Earth. And they can go from one location on Earth to another portal point on Earth to another well, portal yes. point. Is it like, is that kind of how it works? Kind of well, like an airport? Yes. Within that last, that would be accurate for the gallery we saw. If we could go to those spots and connect to this gallery, which are all over the galaxy, not limited to Terra Earth. Okay. So there's also, you're saying there's also portal points on Earth um that that are galactic in nature so there's portals that go from location a to b to z on earth uh, from different portal points and there are portals on earth that go from planet earth to the pleiades to whatever universe wherever you don't even know about yet you don't even know available to you yes Okay, so let me, and, and then when you go to the other side, you're saying there is a being yeah, that's guarding there? Yeah, you're greeted by a guardian, yes. You're greeted by a guardian. He's kind of an ambassador. He's, okay. You know, think of him as a way shore when you get there. You might not know where you're going when you get there. That's his job. Okay. Yeah, there's some alien-looking beings here. Um, so we have to get over fears of aliens. This one looks like a reptile. Precisely. You know, yeah. they come in forms that we don't recognize, but I underscore again, these are all benevolent beings that are okay. just here to assist. This one looks way. avian. This one looks avian. Right. Uh, you know, the avian, the avian folklore in Laos and Thailand, we have um, of the avian people. Um, that That's a lot They're in the important. art history. In yes. the art history. Um, so... And there's, all, there's lots of kinds here. Um, lots of kinds of beings. No, are the here. same. Here's the blue people again. Uh, what, what, I wonder what galaxy that one goes to. I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Uh, but aren't we all dead anyways? <laughs> it, it, it just, this, this is just an experience on consciousness. Okay, yes. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, yeah, this, this is fun to go into. Um, I love these pictures. So have you gone to any of, gone through any of these Stargate portals to different galaxies or planets? All of them. You have. And what is the all experience like? Uh, they're all a gas. They're all different. And I will tell you this. Uh, there's a sense of humor on the other end of some of these. Yeah, there are a couple of these Stargate Guardians that love to pull practical jokes. What do they do to you? I'm not going to tell you that because I love to watch. Oh, okay. I'll see you on the inside uh, joke now. And it's a blast seeing the newbies come through and, you know, they they just have a way. Okay, so so, um, what newbies do you see? Now, let me ask you this. So... Going into Talos, you say that you were in that that spaceship with Alex, your tour guide, uh, and you physically went into that portal 
into Talos, saw Talos, saw all that, that wonderful crystal city there and the people there. And then you're saying in the same spaceship with him, you went to, you just portaled to a different portal point that goes to these different galaxies. Same thing. No, we did not go to different galaxies. We spent our time only in Telos. And all I saw, there are five levels of Telos. And it's said that if you took into consideration the entirety of that location that's designated as Telos, it's 25 square miles. There's five Mm -hmm. levels. I was going to see the third level that day, which is where the hydroponic gardens were. And then I would wander throughout the first level and spend Mm. time in the council chamber, which was one of the temples that were there on that level. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. So, yeah, this is great. So, and you saw, so how did you experience these portals if you didn't go through these portals, these Stargate portals? By location. By location. Yes. Okay. With Alex or by yourself? This has been since the whole Alex thing. Okay. Like, like is it through meditation? Okay. Uh, started there. But, you know, as I've been going through and had more solicited information coming to me, <laughs> you know, we want to talk about things that don't sound like fantasy, but I can't help saying the things that's been presented to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last sessions I had with Yaya who has a way with connecting to higher beings and letting them speak through. Um, It was really the ceremony where I'm going to embrace this idea that Toth wants to embody here. Okay. I'm going to resign myself to it. Well, during that episode, Cindy got to a point because only in my mind, you know, Toth is going to, he's going to start to drive the ship. Whatever that means, he's going to come and he's going to speak through me. At, at one point, after she's speaking, you know, like language that I still need to understand, she stops and says, Toth is not the only aspect you will be carrying. Well, when she said that, I had this vision of some energy that I was taking on anyway. And mm-hmm. the table had been set on what I was seeing around me. There were some of my friends who were experts that were working on my body to prepare mm-hmm. for this upgrade. And then they said it was like they moved aside and there was another energy, another energy that was coming forward. And Cindy said, well, they just told me to ground. They never told me to do that. So it must be something really big coming through. And that's when Toth moved in. I envisioned it almost like if you can see the vision of like um, a Thunderbird, a two-seater mm-hmm. Thunderbird. Here's mm-hmm. the passenger, the driver's seat, the passenger seat. Toth slid into the driver's seat, but left room in the passenger seat for something else. And when Cindy said, you, you're, you're going to hold space for other aspects to come through, that's when I, oh, that's what that means. Yeah, Toth is driving this ship as a permanent resident, but he makes space for other entities to come through and be expressed. Now, I haven't come to express who they are yet, but I've had experiences with three of them already (laughs) okay so are you like channeling them through they come through and they give me messages and some of them give me comfort (laughs) okay okay merlin was an easy one i got that um namamia is a guardian angel of mine told Mm. now is stepped in and he's taken residence but george harrison is also one of those he comes by and gives me comfort Right, it, it, right. In his music, 
I just love the guy. You got to resonate with him if you understand his spiritual journey. Yeah, we had lots of parallels. And so he's come and just you know, played his music when he was supposed to, giving me some words of advice, and then he went on his way. But he's awesome. Right, right. Um, yeah, so like in Buddhism, they say that when you want to learn from a teacher who's anywhere in the cosmos, anywhere in existence, that means all of existence, you just focus on the energy of that being, and then they literally embody you and you are them and they are you at the same time and um they they call it channeling some people call it mediumship whatever you want to name it but then like if you want to learn kung fu for example you you focus on bully dharma who is introduced kung fu to the shaolin monks um and then his essence comes in and he shows you the moves that that you're interested in and then when he's done, you know the moves, the essence leaves. Right. It's still you. It's still exactly. you. you just, your consciousness just said, I'm gonna set, I'm gonna bench myself and allow this other being to use my body as a tool for the exercise, and then I'm coming back in. And you always come back in because you're always in control of your body. And that's how that's how you learn from the masters. That no longer you know, exists. When I say that there are things I get out of each one of these exchanges, you just gave me my dose. And um, I had heard that concept before. And in trying to understand what it really means by somebody's going to embody themselves, I mean, what the hell does that it's mean? It's not possession because right. you invite you invite them in for the exercise. You're like, a vessel. I, you're and a vessel. Want to move you out of the way? You're right, and they're going to express themselves in a way that doesn't come from me. When you right. see some of the things I've been writing recently, this is not Lowell writing any of this because mm. those thoughts would not flow out of him using those words. Right, oh, right. So um, that's that's what it's like to, you know, in, in, invite in. And, um, but again, make the intention pure. I'm doing this out of love. I am in, curious and interested and, um, I would like you to leave after the experience with love and gratitude. Okay. It, positive stuff. Okay. And then close off your essence and aura field, close it off, lock it up. It's still yours. Um, so you always are in control of your, your ex- physical incarnation because this is a free will existence. So anyway, that was wonderful. Uh, you're welcome. So I think I pretty much went through all the gallery, which was fascinating. Um, and people have an idea of how they're going to experience these um, these gate biolocate through their consciousness, these different portals in, in the cosmos. And then when you go to the other side, do you experience the civilization or the culture of that yeah. galaxy? You feel the vibration there is what you pay attention to. Really, and every place I've been tells that experience when you got a chance to step back and assess that really mm-hmm. isolated it. It felt like I was in a place that was home, and mm. the people with eye contact I could make, I knew them and they knew me. Okay, two more questions, and this is uh, this is a long one, but it's gone by so fast, and I just love that I love the the grace and the time that that you give into these conversations. It. So, uh, Lowell, please explain how holding a fifth dimension of frequency is a requirement to be able to connect to these 
nature portals and possibly meet with spiritual guides of Talos, Agatha, maybe even Shambhala, and maybe some of these other Stargate portals um, in Earth and to other other realms as well. Like, why is a fifth dimension of frequency so important? I, I just want to reiterate this again. Okay, there's two words in here that are key that you really need to start to embrace. And there's a distinction between vibration and frequency. Frequency is really, it's a measurement. You made mention earlier to the Schumann resonance, and that's a good place to you know, talk about this measurement. It's said, well, for those of you that are familiar with it, we'll just do a quick little review, that the Earth's you know, natural vibration is 7.83 hertz. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we've been, that's the way we measured, which would mean that all the sentient life on her would have to vibrate at the same level. So we do, everything else does. But if you've been paying attention to that, really, the harmonic resonance around here has really averaged more like 11 to 14 steadily as Mm -hmm. an average. That does not speak to the spikes that we get a lot that are 60, 70, sometimes 90s. They say that once she hits and sustains 40 megahertz, we are holding fourth dimensional vibration. There's no Mm -hmm. going back then. Here we are. So anything, any frequency vibrating less than that, you're gone, right? You can't exist in this environment because your vibration doesn't match. So frequency and vibration is what's important. You have the ability with the tools we've got when you get in touch with that and figure out what, here's my base frequency. I want to raise that vibration. And once it matches things in higher realms where all that magic lies, you experience them. Right. I want you to, um, and I know you talk about this in Starbucks Mystery School podcasts, courses, and blogs, and the book that you have as well. You talk about all this stuff to help get people to the fifth dimension of frequency um, and hold that frequency in their essence so that they can be open to these experiences. But one of the fears that people have about attaining fifth dimensional frequency and holding it is not that it's good for them and they like it and it it opens up doorways um, into the multiverse, but that they're fearful that their loved ones aren't going to be there in that in that frequency as well. Can you address that fear of if I go up there, am I going to lose everybody I love who's going to (laughs) be who's not going to be fifth dimensional as well? I just wrote a blog on this last week because I was told to. It was one of the first things told told me to write about, and it was dealing with the concept of death. If we really just focus on that, then we've neglected these reincarnations that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And our souls, we are much more than this. We've just been conditioned a lot to think that when we're done here, we're done here. And that's all there is. That is not true. We don't lose anybody. That angelic realm that we return to for the next lessons our next soul contract everybody we've ever loved with a foundation of love because we're in the uh the law of one is the fourth Mm -hmm. dimension we all understand we're connected to one another there's no separation there the only separation we think of is on this side of the veil because we don't know that we all go back to that whether we think we do you can claim that you're an agnostic or you don't believe in God or whatever it is. But I can promise you this, this is physics we're talking about. Your soul is going to return to that next realm 
where everyone that you've ever loved and known is there waiting still. You didn't mm-hmm. lose anybody when, you know, a person died in the way that we see it here. You've lost nothing. They've recycled through the system again. You will definitely see them again. It's right. a little saddening, though, to think that people grieved for things that they really haven't lost. Right. And here's another way to think about that uh, as well and address this issue. Um, so, uh, like, I know this from my personal experience, that as you raise frequency and you get to higher, higher dimensions of frequency, just like you were saying earlier, that we literally biolocate from our consciousness from point A to point B in reality or existence. Um, that when you're traveling to these different portal points from portal point to portal point, you just focus and you're there and it just appears. You know, it's just like walking through from here to here. Um, when you raise your frequency and you hold that higher frequency, um, you go to the next level of existence and that next level of existence will have the next level version of your loved ones as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. So for you, for you, you those people out who- portal, they go nowhere. So all those people that were sitting in those bio suits while we were here, those people are immortal. That soul is immortal. They're going to have a different form when you see them next. It could yeah. be another dimensional form. Could be. You could play this out again, but the soul is still there. And yeah. among those, there was a tight bunch when you snapped off and maybe even snapped off. It's said that your twin flame and you snapped off at source to go enjoy the things. You're going to go learn that. I'm going to learn this. We're going to come back and watch what we are when we're a powerhouse. We get back. Right, right. There's there's a lot of different answers for that, you guys. Um, And I know for myself, like I have switched, I have popped in from one version of reality to another. And my mother has brown eyes and then another version, she has blue eyes and then a pop back, she has brown eyes. And then, you know, or my, uh, my, my sister who is a little bit of basket case, I'll pop into another version (laughs) of reality, a higher version of reality. Usually when I'm doing these metaphysical stuff, or I'm, I'm in a, a, a energy space, but all of a sudden she's got it together. It's like a whole different person. It's the same person. I still yes. love her, but you're not, instead of the basket case, she's got it together and she's got all See the wisdom. You know, See, when you're aware and paying attention, you know, if everyone would stop to see that, and it's not that you're examining somebody else's life. It's that now you're beginning to appreciate all the nuances that the universe is trying to show you. Right. And they did it because you asked for it. This yeah. is a little piece of putting that all of that together so that you get to the place you want to be. Right. 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 So, so in, in short with that fear of, okay, if I raise my frequency, am I going to lose my loved ones to the third dimension? And then are they going to come there with me? Um, unless they die and they exit out that way, which they're still going to be there with you. They're just in a different dimension. Right. They also going to raise their frequency almost out of osmosis because you're going to get the 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 version of reality and the people in that reality and the planet in that reality that matches your frequency you know it's all frequency so if they exist they're at that level with you but if you're aware enough you'll notice there are some slight differences when you raise your frequency because the people around you have also elevated their consciousness remember They're all on their own journeys. All of them are on their own journeys. 
and they have their own lessons they've signed up for. That's why it's really not up to me to judge anybody else's life. Because first of all, got my hands full with this one right here. However, you know, we need to allow them on whatever lessons they're learning. Because again, they're doing it on our behalf in the end too. Mm -hmm. Let that play itself out, good, bad, or indifferent. At least in the end, we got contrast and we know what the result is. Now, exactly, exactly. It's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a, that's a character. One of the five characteristics of a fifth dimensional being is to have compassion for those suffering their hard knocks for their spiritual evolution. So, with that, um, do you have a last message for the builders of the fifth dimension? I know we've gone really long on this one. All I can just tell you is I refer back to vibration, vibration, vibration. Understand what that really means, and then do what you can to you know feed it. Make yourself happy in whatever way, and your vibration just rises. Keep mm-hmm. it there and watch what wonderful things you drop. And sooner or later, you're going to step into a whole nother dimension you didn't know you had access to. And wait till you see that. Yeah. And there's plenty of us who will help you adjust. So yes. <laughs> they were out there and, and the universe will present them as, um, as you go through your experiences. They always attract what you need. So Mr. Lowell Johnson, thank you for sharing your inner earth, Talos experience and introducing 5D Lemurian tours via nature portals. So you are right. The universe belongs to the magicians of energy, frequency and vibration. So for more information about Lowell Johnson's offerings, please visit the website 40kfeetftview.com. And thank you kindly to our audience for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.